give us something, give us something, come on. Oh, yes. We're bringing the fun. We're bringing the thunder. We are thunder. Flesh and blood down under. Welcome, welcome, welcome. HD Hayden Dale needs no introduction. Former Australian national champion. <laughs> I like you waited until you could say former Australian national champion before you got me on the show. Hundred so. percent. Thank you. Appreciate Sorry. It. Well, you were supposed to be our guest right after Nats, but we we wanted to get Nick Butcher on. Rightly so. I mean, we love him, but also fresh off his win. Get him on. You didn't mind. You were a good sport about it. Always. Thank you. No problem at all. I think, uh, you know, strike while the iron's hot. That's what we thought. Also, he 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 needs to strike while the iron's hot with Fab School. So I'm like, hey, if you're actually doing it, get on. Yeah. Because I knew that was why... I, uh, the main reason, I think, why he didn't launch last Nats. Uh, Paul, I think this is the first guest we that's actually... a has more clout than you and I in the fab scene. <laughs> well, look, I know exactly why I wanted Hayden here, and it's for one reason only. Uh-oh. There's a certain someone here that needs to be put in their place, and um, he goes by the name of Flukenbox. <laughs> I wanted Hayden to be here today because we need to convince, convince this guy that draft is skill-intensive. You heard him on the last pod with Philip. They were both saying, oh, it's luck, 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 luck. Come on, Hayden, back me up on this one. Let's uh, convince John that draft truly is a skill-intensive format. I think I think the problem, Paul, is that I, I know a lost cause when I see one. You know? oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what what did you come at Pro Tour? Uh, I actually legitimately don't know. <laughs> I, I, went, I went eight and six. I lost, I think my last two rounds constructed to miss. I had like two wins. I went nine and five. I think my I opinion's more relevant, you know. Yeah, how'd you get nationals? Ooh. Terrible, Ter- <laughs> absolutely terrible, disgustingly terrible. Look, it was uh, bad. One result does not define a hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. It's so important. Well, that's that's why you're considered one of the best. Is you're consistent. You don't have to win Sometimes. every event to be consistent. You know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you don't have to be win every event to prove you're good. Yeah. But um, I mean, you're I think consistently good. You can look at like I think Michael Hamilton is undisputedly one of, if yes. not the best player in the world right now, and you know he hasn't. He's yet to top eight a pro tour, you know. Mm. He's but he's, he's I mean he's won two coins. Like he hasn't won stuff, but you look at his. I mean he collected two PTIs mm. at uh, at Lille, you know. Like, so you, so you've have you played against Michael in a sanctioned game of Flesh and Blood? I have. I, I have actually. The first time I ever found like my first introduction to Michael was I sat down at round four. I want to say of um of the pro of the calling in Orlando. So when I flew over to the US last last November. Great opportunity to meet up with with Brendan, my co-host, mm. and uh, play that calling over there. I think there was a, I think there was about four or five international players because obviously travel had only really just started. Literally, I think Australia had opened the borders up a week earlier, um, and I made the call to go. And I sat down around four, no clue who this guy is. Introduce, say hello, and and play. And he's playing Ultim, and I'm playing like the Lightning Briar deck uh, of that weekend, the kind of breakout deck. And I've played this matchup before. I'm like, yeah, I know this matchup. It's fine. Like, I, <laughs> I practice this matchup, and then we get to like turn five or six. And I'm like, he's like countering every play I make. Like, not only does he playing his side of the matchup so well, he's also playing my side of the matchup. And I was just so impressed. I went to Brendan afterwards. We had, a, in, in the end, of quite a tight game. But for the last four or five turns of the game, I knew I couldn't win. And Michael knew I couldn't win. <laughs> like, you know. Um, and I went to Brendan afterwards. And I just said, that's the 
best player. That's the f- that's one of the first times in this mm. game I felt truly, completely and utterly outplayed. Like I yep. just had no play in that game. Um, and then uh, I also spent some time... I, I played a few games against Michael in testing for uh, PT1, although I wasn't on the same schedule as him, unfortunately. So I think I got to play like two or three games. But um, yeah, just a, a great a great person as well. One of the mm. nicest people and also you know, phenomenal Very player. humble. Yes. So, so you said turn four and five is when it sort of hit you like, holy hell, mm. this guy's like amazing. Like, can you kind of articulate that? Like, what was he doing yeah. that would be different to the average Joe? Like, was there anything in particular that sort of struck you and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing at this game? Yeah. Um, I think when, I think in this game, when you sit down and, and play someone, especially in a matchup like aggro versus control, um, a lot of the time you'll find either side of the table. So with, you know, you can go, I can go and watch a match and I can watch two players play aggro and, and control. And, and I can tell the, usually the majority of people will just play their side of the matchup. They know the plan well. They know, okay, I want to play this way into control. I want to sneak damage in with a Rosetta Thorn or whatever. And that's my plan. And the, the player on the other side goes, I don't want to take damage. I want to soak up as much damage as possible. And at some point in the game, I'm going to start swinging my hammer ice, ice fused, right? Like with, yep. a, with an ice card. It goes to like turn four and Michael was like, I was pitch stacking for like an in game and Michael like just immediately notices it. And then just on turn five, like pressures knowing that I'm going to try and pitch stack uh, a sting of sorcery to like set this up. So he, instead he like, he ends up uh, ice reacting on my, on a first attack, which just no one does playing Ultim. And I would never expect anyone to do like, I, I'd seen that play before, but only in testing because we knew it was good against us. And he does it. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this is going <laughs> to, so he forced you to put one of your cards like you had cards in hand more than one because ice reactors usually they want to get rid of your arsenal, right? Yeah, yeah. But so instead of just making me get rid of my arsenal, he made me start to make decisions about do your I whole turn about my whole turn, which is like generally not as good playing Alden because you want to just you want to give them as little information as possible, whereas this gives you lots of information, but actually kind of denies this kind of pitch stacking mm. that you want to do. Um, so yeah, because you're no longer. Um, What's the word? It's not. It's not. You've calculated what you're doing. Yeah. And now it may not be the best idea to pitch attack that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's very. I remember. Unfortunately for Michael, when he had a big win on camera, it was against Fino Black, and Fino got a lot of the um, publicity. I don't. Yeah, because of the misplay. Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> but Michael played that game. No, so no. But well. anyone watching that matchup, usually, it's like because because Prism and and Fino is a very good player. Yeah. And you watch, he was not playing a normal Starvo deck. He was pitch stacking. He did the whole um, eyes and loft. Yep. It, it was, so I was watching, like I, I never, because I don't test at the level you do. I'd never seen some of the stuff he was doing. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I've never seen a Starvo play that way. Because again, most people on Starvo, they're like, draw four, hopefully confuse Arsenal or Pulse if yeah. you get one. This guy was not playing that. He, he knew the deck is high rolly, but then he fine-tuned it to where he also was in full control. Yeah, he, he didn't play. He You know, as people like to say, the crayons. But like he, no, no, he, was, he wasn't. He was literally playing to, in a matchup he knows that is going to be grindy. Yes. Plays to an immaculate second cycle, which is... Um, I, I mean, Did you watch that what, game, Paul? No. Ugh. If you want to see... I mean, That's classic fab black. Yeah. Yes, it's it's meme-worthy because Fino missed his tunic, but he wouldn't have won if he didn't miss his tunic yeah. if you watched that game. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I mean, it's a game that is, I think, especially <coughs> the way Michael was playing the deck, traditionally should be favourite to prison, but, you know, I think the way that Michael played, he gave himself every opportunity. His, uh, I think it's either his quarterfinals or semifinals match in that, and that event where he plays into um, Cody Williams playing Chain is just, like, one of the best, like, examples I would show of someone playing to a very particular strategy. The thing, I think you can like, I point to people who like Michael, uh, like Sasha, I think are two of the best players in the world and they play atypical strategies. They understand how to 
uh, go one step beyond what people are expecting and mm. how to how to combat that. And those are the kind of strategies that I think come out of that, um, which is, is really cool to see. So when you test with people like Sasha and Michael, if you do, um, if they're playing atypical strategies, mm. are they actually showing everything in testing? Um, I, like I'm always curious because... I, I don't test, like Talishar yeah. now is like a way to test, but it's not really because a lot of people just play yeah. crappy decks, unfortunately. But when you're testing like at a high level, like it's yeah. it's people that are world ranked and going to worlds and are, are you ever actually playing your real deck? Yeah, yeah, all the, all the time. I mean, that's, I mean, I would say the real deck probably doesn't come about until the last sort of week or two because you're trying to refine and find all these things. Mm. I think I've never gone to an event any event actually that 100% I, I, sure uh, yeah of what my list is going to look like I would probably say nationals that I won funnily enough was probably the most locked in I was probably locked into the I was locked into the deck about three weeks before I was locked into the exact I think maybe bar one card change that we ended up changing yeah uh, five days before but you know PT1 uh, I, I swapped to the deck the day before the list wasn't locked in until midnight that night you know we to submit the deck list or whatever it was like still the Kano yeah PT2, the deck list wasn't locked in until about two I know, because I had to source you some cards <laughs> yeah. the day before. Yeah, yeah. I was running around asking anyone. <laughs> Thank you these. so much as well. Yeah. It was, it was, I wish I performed better, but you know. <laughs> we got them all in the end. Um, so I think that's... And then in terms of like people... I mean, if you're in a, a, a group testing and you've decided that you're going to test with these people, um, yeah, you, I mean, it's no holds barred. Like so the, probably the, the, the more interesting thing with someone like a, like a Sasha... Um, I don't. I can't speak for Michael because I haven't spent much time with Michael. Like I said, when he was in the kind of wider testing group that I was in in PC One, I we never had any crossover, just time zones. Yeah. Um, but someone, so I can talk for. I guess my experience with like someone like Sasha is I'm often just a punching bag, to be honest. You know, like he is. He like while I think I'm a a pretty decent deck builder, he's like a, a step above, right? In the way that he approaches the game, and he needs to try. I guess like these theories and these strategies out and uh you know I, I might bring a strategy to the table at some point and then that's probably something that like someone like a sasha would process or maybe if i'm not working with a sasha it's something that i think you always have someone in that kind of role probably in these in these testing teams i think nick is probably that for i'm just speculating mm. but i think based on what but i know no, he's nick, definitely built that dash deck the original yeah. undefeated one that was all him i think he's coming up with a lot of these strategies and yeah. i think you can say the same of, of certain people in certain groups around the world. So yeah. Yeah. To, to us scrubs that don't top anything, it's Philip Mackay. He, he helps the lower end people. No, he really, by the way, of all the people in Flesh and Blood, especially in Sydney, he's probably the only person who's a very good player. They can go, hey man, like, can you help me build a Kasai deck for this weekend? Yeah. And he'll, he'll just throw cards together. He's and he's very good off. Well. Yes, yeah. he's very good. Very friendly. Like I never expected him because my first impression <laughs> of him wasn't that he's like I super friendly. Yeah, yeah, you were there, but he's very, very giving. Like of his time for sure. For sure, I, I think it's um, you've got you've got some really talented, really, really talented technical players in this game, and then you've got some people who are amazing theory crafters. Those don't always line up, and yep. then you have a few golden <laughs> eggs that that are, that are both. And um, I think I think you know talked about some of those just before, but yeah, yeah. You mentioned the c word. Crayons. Oh, now no. I want to. I was wanna, quoting. I was quoting what people on this. Uh, yeah, exactly. Said. So I want to circle back to. I want to get your thoughts. <laughs> I want to go big picture. Do you think, Hayden, when people say that, like whether it, you just said Starvo, people saying, "Oh, crayons builds," or Briar crayons. Do you think that's like uh, almost passive aggressive or dismissive, or because my feeling is to play any of these decks at a true high level, mm -hmm. like you saw 
Michael Hammond are playing that Stravo deck, it's anything but crayons. Yep. Like, if you want to, like, what do you think of this whole, you know, vernacular, oh, crayons doesn't take any skill, anyone can do it? Like, do you think there's anything to that? Or do you think all decks require a certain amount of skill to perform well at? Or do you think, no, 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 there is true crayon decks that you can just shut your eyes and, you know, swing into a top eight? Like, do you want my honest opinion? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that's what we do here on Plunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured. I was just leading, you know, leading yeah, the witness yeah. a bit there. Um, yeah, I think those comments are a little bit senseless, to be honest. I don't really understand why people say things like that. I get to an extent what people are trying to say and what I think the, I guess what they mean is like, oh, you know, it's boring. It's like you, it's A plus B. Like it's, you know, it's very straightforward. And yeah, there are those builds of decks out there. But I would say when you go and look at what does well at a high level, it's people, people taking the raw power of those strategies and harnessing them and turning them into much, much, much more than that. Like Michael Hampton playing Starvo. Like I'll even point to, you know, the Sasha and the Kano deck that he, he built. Um, you know, even um, I think what we saw with, you know... Tariq on Redline Briar? Yeah, yeah. I think, like, mm. you can go and say, like, here's the strategy. But, like, I'll, I'll use our... I guess the deck that I played at the PT and Nationals, for example. I played Briar. And I think it's, you know, Briar is inherently very powerful. You have access to what I think are three of, if not the most, then probably top five most powerful cards currently printed that and available legal to play in the form of Channel Maharak, Spellbone Creepers, and Rosetta Thorn. Mm. But then how do you actually approach that? And yeah, you can just go, okay, I just try and play zero for fours and I try and lay my Channel Maharaks. But there is ways to go beyond that. And you can get to, there are definitely like strategies that are a lot more straightforward and easy to play. But, okay, you play an easy, straightforward strategy and then you plan to someone, because it's straightforward and easy to play, you plan to someone on, say, a control deck who knows exactly how you're going to play because it is a, you know, a quote-unquote more straightforward. Yeah, yeah, more predictable. I think it's a better term. Mm. Um, then you're going to find that that's a lot harder game to play and you need to have these uh, more, uh, a bit more ingenuity about your game plans and, and what you're going to do. So I think, yeah, I get it. There is decks that are a little bit easier to play and you can perform with them, but... Um, it's only part of the narrative, I think, and it's. I think it's a little bit. I think most of the people that I've heard say it, and I, I respect those people. It's more just like a throwaway of like, oh, yeah. you know, you know, it's, it's, it's Phil sharing his poem, you know, like it, it's. There's a funny side to it as oh, well, yeah. which I, I appreciate. Hmm. But I think I think I've also heard some people um, really double down, triple down, quadruple down on those comments, and I think they. I think they're over, they're trying to simplify the game too hmm. much, um, and I think for the most part those people's voices kind of get lost anyway because majority of people will, you know, just say <laughs> it's not true. But, yeah. I, I One thing is, well, two comments. One is Briar is a good deck, mm -hmm. right? And very, quite simple to pilot, especially if you're running like yeah, snappies and things, right? Yeah. No, no, but you can make that a very simple. For sure. I, I find Reinar lines more complicated than Briar lines in most cases. You know yeah. what I mean? Because Reinar, there's actually two or three viable choices sometimes. Or Dory's the same. When do I react? Do I even play this? Or I, like it's, I find that harder than Briar where you just dump. I think that's what it is, is decks that just pretty the, much want to dump, hands play dump the hand, sometimes. right? Sometimes. But that doesn't make it a good deck in and of itself because in the mirror, if you haven't thought one step ahead, yeah. you're just rolling a dice. I, like, do you know what I mean? While Michael Hamilton's Starvo deck was also beating all the Starvos and had a very good game plan to Prism. He was not basing his game plan on the power level of the deck alone. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have got unlucky maybe during the day and not won that calling. Like, that's a chance. But here's the other side of the coin. 
Starvo has fifteen hundred fucking living legend points. That's so, true. So that's that's the viable. The argument. I, I think how people word it might be incorrect. Yep. I don't think that deck was um, was a good design. That that I agree. that's the like the, the, <laughs> the but it's also obvious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but most of the other decks haven't been that like. Chain was Polarizing, very strong, right? but Chain takes, I think, quite a bit more skill to pilot than yeah. Starvo did. Um, it's the lines. Like I think a, a way that I like to put it is that um, a deck. So you you talked about like Reiner versus uh, Briar, right? And the lines being more complicated in in, in, in Reiner. I think for the for the majority of time, I would say that is somewhat true. But the way I like to look at it is like, uh, it's what what do you get punished for? So I would say not choosing the right line in Reiner versus Briar can punish you more because of the inherent power <coughs> of the deck. It's, yep. it's, it's too low to afford not perfect play. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you can... Uh, as a smart player who wants to do well, I think you're you're in a really good spot if you're going to go and harness the best, mm. best deck in the format. Yes, you have to go beyond that in terms of, you know, what to next... To actually people, perform, yeah. But why, why handicap yourself? I know you've talked about this in a conversation, I think you, if you don't mind me saying, that you had with Matt Fox about... He said to you, don't, don't handicap yourself, just... Play the best, you know. Play the best deck and go from there. Mm. And I think that's my kind of motto. I think in any format is I have to have an ex- a really good reason to not just play the best deck in the format. Mm. Um, I do that to myself. I never play the best deck. Yeah, and that's fine. I borrowed your prism list. I don't know if you remember ProQuest season. Yes, because yes. I was on Dory and just wasn't going yeah. anywhere. And I didn't know how to play it. And I did way better than well. Dory. <laughs> no, but I did way yeah. better. I was beating Oldham's, yeah. and I was like, oh. But that's format, right? That's, that can be format. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a complicated, I think, piece of the game that sometimes gets oversimplified, and sometimes rightly so gets simplified. But it's um, I don't think it's black and white. Keep talking. I'm gonna put the blind down because because we've got uh, we've got Paul being blinded by the light. So, so let's talk about um. I want to get your opinion on variants. Uh, when it comes to flesh and blood, specially constructed, are you happy with? how much variance there is in the game? Do you think it is at a sweet spot? Or do you think there's a little bit too much? A little bit, you know, what's your thoughts on that? It's, been, it's hard because I think it's been a journey for mm. Flesh and Blood where we started with a game that was very low variance. Like, mm. because the, the power level was was really throttled. So you, you had a game that, um, to start with, didn't have much inherent variance in, in the design of, of the game. You're going to have to move. I'm going to have to move. It's all right. I will reposition. Um, I'll keep I'll keep going on my yeah. rule variance spiel. So, um, where it's at now, I think on the journey, I do think that we're in a this format seems to be in a pretty good spot. You know, we're getting to a point where it seems like defending does seem to matter a little bit. Which mm. I think for the last three formats, as we you know ourselves on Arsenal Pass, we've previewed the format and gone, oh, it looks like blocking might be a bit more important this format, and then it never really ends up being that way. It's all about what's the most powerful thing you can do. And I think the the power level is starting to be throttled back a little bit with Uprising and with Living Legend of Chain, Prism, Starvo. Um, I think, you know, you probably point to Briar, Oldham being maybe the, the two most inherently powerful heroes left. Yeah, but Briar, I think Oldham's a problem, but I think it's one of those decks that is not as fun to play, so you still don't see it as a problem. But Briar doesn't... Like, the fact that I can beat Briar on Dory... Makes yeah. me feel like okay, it's strong, but they really are Has like weaknesses. a lot of Briar decks are still relying on that. It's like a combo deck, nearly. You're relying yeah. on seeing a channel mount. If they're stuck in the bottom half of your deck into another aggro match, 
it's pretty rough. Yeah, you want to talk about variants. Because so other decks are way more consistent than Briar. Like yeah. the pop-off turn on Fi does not need you to draw one of three cards in your deck. Art of War is pretty good. But it doesn't require <laughs> it. Sure, sure, Spreading sure. Flames is just as good. Now you've got six very good. But th- that's where I think, going back to that previous mm. point, you know, talking about before about how do you harness, you know, you take a raw strategy of Channel Maharaj being super powerful. What do you do? Well, kind of one of our answers at the PT was play explosive growth. It's mm. kind of like an extra Channel Maharaj. Play a, a deck that can utilize Force of Nature, which is another really powerful yep. card. Give yourself more opportunities and to creepers. have powerful, yeah, exactly, and have powerful turns. But where variance is right now, I mean, th- there's some of the game, and I'm I'm glad. I think no variance would, would suck. I think if you play aggressive mirrors in this current format, that's where you feel variance the most because of the things you talked about. Where are your where are your Art of Wars? Where are your Channel Mount Heroics? Uh, where oh, I haven't drawn any Mothering Skies plus Shrills in this, in this game. Mm. Variance is, I think, always going to be uh, there, and I think that's good. Over a shorter game, you're going to feel it more. That's why Blitz always gets pointed to as like, you know, oh, it's not skill intensive. It's like the short form format. You know, it's such a, a punt sometimes. But reality, it's just because it's short form. And your decisions matter just as much, if not more. I think they matter more in Blitz. One misplay, like one misplay. Yeah. When to break your equipment is probably the biggest one in Blitz. Is like... Mm-hmm saving that one extra turn and having a block with it and you know what I mean? Or yeah. that one life putting point. that pressure mm. before yeah. or sometimes like cracking courage on warrior when it's on full yeah. block because of tempo and pressure is way more. That's how you lose games in blitz. Those decisions are great as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like when we did the blitz gauntlet, like Paul has no way to control me getting the tumble tie out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. in a CC game, he was playing that perfectly in blitz. It's like, that's the whole game. Is that one turn where I got a bit lucky? Yeah. The Ed Lumina just doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, just because I came from Magic, like obviously Flesh and Blood compared to Magic, the variance is, you know, drastically different. Very okay. different. Drastically different. So I think there's that fine line. Um, I've always liked where it has. It obviously has changed a lot since I got into the game. I will not change a lot, somewhat maybe. But I think there's that fine line where maybe LSS are in that tough spot to appease, you know, some of the, you know, great minds that want more decision points, which means, or longer games, which means obviously less variance. Mm-hmm. But the less variance you have in a game, generally speaking, you're going to close the doors on Timmy's and the majority of your player base are actually Timmy's. Like if yeah. you really close it out. You've got to be careful. You, got, you have to be careful because I've found just in the local scene with friends of ours, mutual friends, don't need to say any names, but I'm sure there's listeners out here, they probably have the same issues in their community um, I found a lot of people that stop playing the game is because they find that they don't get those free wins or yeah. they don't get mm. that luck or it really is it's just they just can't win at certain mm. points and it frustrates them, especially if they come from other card games that have more variants where they can rock up and put in less thought and get wins and things like that. And I've I have there's many people that I, you know I could name that have sort of drifted away from fab and i know it's because of the variance factor they're just kind of over it you know they're just like oh i just these decision trees or i I can't see myself getting better what can i do to win these matchups all these games and they can't seem to work it out and they just get disgruntled disheartened and the rest is history yeah it goes goes it can go both ways right it can go the the way of like variance is so bad to no variance is, is bad and I just I want to put this point out there because I think it's I think it's one that I've stuck to very firmly and I'll you know I've said it on other podcasts and on, on our uh, platforms is that I think you know people talk about Prism being bad for the game and it was 
I think Prism was one of the best heroes we've had for the game. And people, you can say Spectra is not great design, and I think that's fine. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But I actually think that a, 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 a hero like Prism being there that forces decks to actually have this 80-20-90-10 matchup is good. Yeah. People say, that's not good. Having a 90-10, having an 80-20, having a close to unwinnable matchup is is, is never good for a game. I, I disagree. I think that builds metas, and that yep. causes meta gaming to be much more of a thing. If you have too many decks that are close to 50-50, what does it matter? You just play the hero well, that, that you, actually that feels you more random. Like It feels like more variance. Because yeah, if, if everything's a, a 50-50, yeah. then everything is... Like, what I'm saying is if it's 50-50 actually, it's it's always going to feel like you could have won and didn't. Yeah. While, like, every time I've beaten Prism on Dory, that's a real win. Like, you yeah. cannot take that shit away from... Do you know what I mean? I know that's a 2080, and I got there. Yeah. And it's always that micro decision. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, I'll just, you have to work for that game. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, I still have yet to beat Oldham on, on Dory, but mm. I, I've, I also lack the skill it takes because you do have to pitch stack to do that and you actually have to block a lot and get to the point where you can do something that they can't answer, like yeah. a four-swing double. <laughs> do you know what you I mean? I, I don't have... Crazy turn. Yes, yeah. you can do... The, the, the one time I did it was actually the, the original Nats last chance qualifier. Matt Rogers helped, like did a video with me, built a deck for me. Uh, time snaps. He said, "Just set up against Oldham," and I did it. And I actually forgot I could swing a fourth time, oh, no. and I lost the game. This is the one time I came that close to actually killing Oldham on Dory. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, you basically won. No, no, I did the combo. Yeah, yeah that's I didn't win because yeah. misplays a misplay, right? But I. <laughs> it was as close as I've been. I, I would, yeah, and I just think the the so to back to your point, I think the last thing I'll kind of say on that is that the closer you get to. Um, basically, a, a hero not mattering, or mm. I guess in terms of the, it's, it's you know it's like oh I have fifty five in this matchup versus sixty five play this hero, and there's a slight bit of meta gaming, but everything's close to fifty fifty. You just end up with the the best players continuing to rise to the top, which great, they're the best players, right? And they they deserve that. But at a it, casual it, level, that's terrible, right? At a casual yeah. level, it's terrible. But also, even at a competitive level, after a point, because I'll I will always I guess I'm a bit biased. Always from a competitive standpoint, it's like mm. it gets boring if someone goes. Hey, I've got tickets to go and see this golf open, and it's like if I know that the same player is going to win every single time, wh- why I'm you know like or a, a tennis match might be a better example. It's like, hey, let's go and watch Rafael Nadal versus X person that you don't know, but is like you know six seed in the tournament or something. It's like, well, two seed beats six seed every time, but that's not true. You know, Nadal can get injured. Nadal can be maybe off form. This player could have the game of their lives. You know, mm. the rubber, the green can go their way. You know, the chalk splits a different way when the ball hits. It's like yep. that sport has less variance in it. But, you know, if you're starting to get to a point where you're getting to that margin, <laughs> yes. that's, I don't well, think it's enjoyable. This is a really All side example, but um, I don't know if you know Gordon Ryan is, is basically the god in jiu-jitsu. He's, he's okay. 58 whatever wins in a row now. He just took out the most decorated grappler of all time, made him look like he just started grappling. You know what I mean? To a point, it's boring to watch when you know he's going to win. Does it make sense? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you, he, he literally you hasn't dropped the matching techniques. so long, <laughs> but it's so dominant that you're like, can someone, can we get like, will, will, you know, Brock Lesnar start doing jiu-jitsu? Like, you know what I mean? You just want to see a challenge. You want to see a challenge. You also, underdogs are always fun, more fun to watch. Like, it's it's fun to watch, especially on stream. Everyone got pumped about Reinar winning a Nats because it's not supposed to win. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
I'd um <laughs> yeah, but it can just win. pick where you want to sit. I'm gonna go this way. Which way? The sun's going that way. So yeah, I'll go this way. That's better because yeah, it's going that way. So another question. Just, just things I want to talk to you about in general, just have conversations about. Um, look, I, I think, and I've thought this for a while, that, you know, classic constructed, to me, it's a rotating format, okay? Whether you want to believe it or not, I think it is, okay? I really think it is. It's not, it's not an internal format. I think the Living Lurgeon format eventually will be the eternal format. Um, but I think at the moment, like classic constructed appears to me to be a rotating format, which is good, which is fine. But no, I don't have any issues with that at all. Um, so I'd like to hear your opinions on that, but also um, amount of heroes in classic constructed. That's, that's something I'm very interested in. Like me being a Timmy, I'd like to see 50 heroes in classic constructed. I would, I would love that because I think it breeds more innovation, rogue decks. Mm. It increases variance. Um, people can just come out of nowhere and have a lucky read on the meta and ju- and just nail it. Um, you know, similar to what we saw in big modern tournaments, you yep. could get a bit spicy in um, with that sort of stuff. So, what are your thoughts? Do you th- would you like to? A, what do you think about uh, Classic Constructed? Do you think it is a rotating format? And B, what do you think the perfect or, you know, this optimal size of heroes in the format? Do you think like the 15 or 20 small and mm-hmm. keep it rotating? Or do you think we should, you know, grow it into sort of like a 50 hero format? I think inherently it's, uh, it is a rotating format, but not in the way that people think of rotating formats, right? Yeah. It doesn't rotate by set. Correct. And I think that's a, a question that's come up. And I know uh, Brendan's pretty passionate about this. That he thinks that, there should be set-based rotation in Flesh and Blood. I, I'm not on that page. I think that um, if Living Legend is done right, that is a great way to rotate and keep a format. Not they only end up with a format with 100 heroes in it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, in theory, I guess if you go set-by-set, set, you just naturally take heroes out, right? Like, sure. oh, Welcome to Wraith rotates out next year because it's had its years, three years or whatever it is. Mm. I'm not a fan of that because I think the way that they've built this game is fundamentally from an eternal standpoint to a degree. And they've got this base of cards. Like, I've said this to a lot of people. Like, you look at the the generic power level of Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising, and people are always like, oh, you know, and they paid, they printed Sinkblow and they printed Fate for Sin. It's like, how many 0 4 defense reactions they can print? And that was why people complained about Lightning Briar, right? Like, you know, this is bad. Now, imagine two years when there's more 0 4 4s. They don't have to print more 0 4 4s. That's, no. the, that's the thing, is they can class tie them. Yeah. But you look at Arcane Rising and Welcome to Wraith, those are the base power of your generics. Majority of the Still most powerful. Are. Exactly. The most, majority of the most powerful generics come from those sets and are going to continue to be coming from those sets. So I think rotation doesn't quite work in that sort of light. But I think what does work is, in theory, Living Legend, I think, you know, we've had a few hiccups and, and there hasn't, you know, there's a few things I think that could still improve. But I, I think the, the fundamental concept of Living Legend can work and can be the way to rotate in this game and create freshness alongside new sets without having to rotate sets out. So I, I think that is what rotation should continue to and look like, and I think there's some work there. But I think you're seeing it now, right? You see uh, the meta shift prison goes, boom. You know, these control, these ice heroes, control heroes are so much more viable. And, mm. the, you know... We so is Wizard. Right. And, in and general. We, yeah, yeah, and we haven't even had a new set yet, right? And you've already got this shift in the meta and a change. But you still allow people at a grassroots level to the heroes they've been playing Rhino I, I would can still hate if Rhino. nothing in WTR is is even close to living legend do you know what no. I mean yeah. that, but that's that's it would be terrible if they just rotated out it would be like it wouldn't affect it would affect deck building a lot more but it would so let's step back they didn't they just changed the living legend yeah and I think the argument was this eternal format is it's going too quick yeah which means 
I read that as their goal is to increase the amount of heroes. Not they don't want in they don't want heroes retiring quicker than they're printing them, or even sure, at the same sure. level. I think they always. I think they want the game to eventually like if we're at twenty playable heroes now. I think the way they envision it after 23, 24. That's how they want it to be. That's now whether that's good or not. Yeah. As long as they keep the base design, so it feels like what they did in. Um, Uprising, they've kept the power level closer to mm. like Monarch Tales felt like a big jump up. The new heroes feel like they're still see Dory vs. Fire does not feel back breaking the way like Briar Chain versus Dory feels yeah, or yeah. Old Inver- you know what I mean? There's a big difference in power level there. Um, yeah. I know you still have Bolton and Levia, which are probably a step <laughs> under, but the, but the sheer power level of those two sets compared like that's where all the bands are, but that yeah. brings me to another point. Bands themselves are the soft rotation. Like every set release also comes with the bands and restricted. So when they want to rotate something, they're also doing it per set. Yeah, I mean you can you can um, balance the health of a format in any given season or mm. between season to season with with bands, right? But I think you just said you know you feel like they're wanting to add heroes. And to to pull the second part of the question is, um, do you know do I think more heroes is that is that good? I don't. I don't think it necessarily is. I think it's 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 a balance, like you were saying. You know, great for variants, great for I guess people who want to spike events and, and try something different and be off the, the beaten track, right? I think that's really important, and I think we. I mean, I, th- I think we've seen that happen. I mean, we we saw you know five wizards in this nationals top eight. We saw two mm. Kanos in the first PT top eight. I think probably somewhere between. So we're at, I think fifteen heroes at the moment. I think you know um, twenty around twenty probably makes sense. Somewhere floating between you know fifteen to. 22, I think. What would the game look like at 50? In your it sounds unmanageable to me, to be <laughs> honest. It sounds yeah. it sounds like you need a, a different format at that point. It sounds unmanageable because, f- first of all, you've got, I think, too much to balance from a, uh, a development standpoint when they're, when they're bringing sets in. So let's just say they uh, slowed everything down and like, Briar doesn't live in Legion for two years because this isn't going to happen, but you know the, the way they slowed it down. It's like, okay, now we have to continue to think about Briar for the next two years in our set design as opposed to, okay, Briar rotates out and we're focused on Classic Constructor. We don't have to balance. And Rosetta Thorn. I think it's way more important than Briar. <laughs> sure, potentially. I mean, it, I would change, it would change how Rune Blades function. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think so many arguments about Rosetta Thorn, I think it's kind of good for the game because I think if you don't have it right now, I mean, you know, your aggro is fine. I don't think much else. But pr- probably just to, I guess, mm. wrap up on that, I think I'd like to see somewhere between like, 15 to 25 at max and it float around there and, and yep spike and then come back down and I think Living Legend I think the I, my interpretation of why they changed Living Legend uh, points is it needed to be changed because more events are coming in and you actually sustainably it was not feasible to continue another year at that rate um, but also a little bit because of just slowed down a little bit <laughs> but again I think there's another change to Living Legend that probably should happen at some point which is you work on a fixed point system so that the amount of events, variable, grow, shrink, grow, doesn't shrink, matter. doesn't matter. You're still mm. running on a similar a similar timeline. And the, the best decks continue to, you know, the, the, Rotate the cream out. rises to the top yep. and you, yeah, you move through. I like, sort of want to draw back to what you said about, you know, brilliant deck builders like Sasha's and the like. And in my mind, we really haven't had breakout deck builders, especially on mass in flesh and blood, because the game's just not old enough. There's not a big enough pool um, of cards. The more cards there are in the game, the the more tools that the you know are in the toolbox for the deck builders, yeah. um, and that's why I like in my mind would like to see more heroes. I'm not saying fifty, but 
Because an analogy I could draw would be with um, Death Shadow in modern. The card was in print for 10 years. Yep. You know, for 10 years, the card was hanging around and no one brewed with it. And then one day, someone was like, oh, I can do something with this. Yeah. And now I'm going to crush the format. And I thought, well, that might be cool with Flesh and Blood that you have a hero that's been in the format for eight years, hasn't done anything, yep. and then someone revisits it, takes a long, hard look at it, comes out of nowhere and just crushes you know, uh, uh, calling in a pro tool with it yep. or something like that. I don't know. Like KCR for me, I f- comes out and <laughs> yeah, I find that I romanticize, you know, being a Timmy, they're the things that, you know, uh, you know, I think are, are, are somewhat healthy for the game, to be honest. I think that's really good for the game. But my kind of counterpoint was, would be why do you need more heroes for that? Why not just card pool in general? Yeah. Cause I do yep. think why? that the limited card pool right now is, is a, is a bit of a deterrent for deck builders. And I think there's, there's only so many ways you can go. And mm. I think a, a good example is that no one broke it at PT2. I think, I, and this might be a bit biased, but I think like the Kano builds we saw came close to breaking it at PT1. Mm. You know, the, every other build for the most part, you know, it was iterations on the current chain we saw. It was iterations on the Star Wars, iterations on the Prism. Um, Kano was like, you know, the one that kind of... Well, people didn't have AB pack, did they? No. And, like and as a rule, you weren't seeing an AB3 in every matchup. Yeah, and, and the list, I think, particularly the list that we played, looked very, very different. Even Alex had like a, you know, a, you know somewhat different to what we'd seen traditionally, mm. in, you know, using something like Potion Deja Vu and, and the, the breakout of Wildfire. But we didn't see that at PT2. And I think a big part of that, and this is from our my personal experience, is that there just isn't the cards there to do it. Mm. And probably, you know, and that's why I say 15 feels on the lower side of Heroes. I would be happy seeing 18, 19. But I think, you know... You, if I failed at PT1 and even maybe like ProQuest uh, season, so many heroes, you know, and I think that's a good thing, but also some of them just don't get a look in. And I think yep. if you continue to print heroes at a very rapid rate and introduce them, none of those heroes are going to get a look in. So not, I think to your point about, you know, a hero that's something that's been around for eight years, if the release schedule keeps going, Azalea's never going to get a look in. Bolton's never going to get a look in. Mm. Um, so I think, I actually think I would say Cardpool was the essential way to do so it. So a bit more depth. Yeah, a bit more depth rather than breadth, I think. Well, I think be. it's a it's a balance between the two. Like not exactly. releasing more yeah. heroes than you can handle with the current card pool. Yeah. Like if you release a new shadow set, it'll it'll have new heroes. Yeah. But it'll also hopefully bring Levia up. Yeah. But what you don't want is like the new hero the new shadow over, hero over, is just better than Levia anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get <laughs> what you're saying. I although I still think the hero is a card, like it's just that extra dine. It's like a permanent, same as equipment. Equipment is way more meta changing than a card is because it's it has a bigger impact in the game. Like if there was a I new replacement to tunic, yeah. the meta will change potentially because some decks will just get what they need. Or, yeah. yeah. But, but look, actually chess pieces are the ones that like um bark uh, strapping. Chess pieces are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think even like Crown of Providence, I think it's made a yeah. big impact it on has. running Command and Conquer versus other cards. It's like, yeah. wait, some people ever get out of Command and Conquer for free? Couple of variants, things like that. Yeah. The the one thing I would say about that is that um, the because the card pools are tied to those heroes, it's not just the text box on those heroes. It yes. has a pretty big impact. But uh, just going back to that last point, like an analogy I like to use is like if you recommend a TV show to someone, right, and it's got two seasons and eight episodes per season, it's a lot easier to sell someone on that than it is to sell them on. You know, Grey's Anatomy, 20 seasons, 24 <laughs> episodes a this season. This is why I don't watch anime. I, right. I never did as a kid. You but people Bleach. Go, oh, yeah, yeah. People go like, oh, Dragon Ball is great. And you start watching. Like, you know what? This is like, so I don't much. mind watching that while I work. Yeah. I don't have to pay a lot of attention. And you're like, 
wait, how many seasons? Like 104 seasons. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to not watch that. It's not a perfect <laughs> analogy, but I, I think it, I yeah. do think that there is danger of burnout too if much. you have too much, you know, between collectors, between players, between new players. between. So I think there is this, I truly do believe there is a sweet spot when it comes to living legend, hero releases, mm. and um, and card pool releases, and or even to the extent talents and, so and I how thought, far you have talents. I thought this was a big complaint with Magic where too many set like it's is a lot every year comes out for you to ever keep on top of it all so what i'm trying to get at is like i play dory yeah i i have a couple you can of only play decks. dory if you want to until we get to living <laughs> legend that's fine I, I have that choice right and and lucky for me it's it's more in the meta than it was before so i i'm in like my element now the issue is you get pl- new players but also players with on a tighter budget that go i don't want to have to every set a buy deck. a crap load of new... Like, yes, I might have to buy a couple of cards to make my deck better, but the minute you're forcing players, you'll lose a lot of casual players. Like, if you're forcing players to every meta have to start on a new hero, like Starvo did that, yeah. look what happened. Everyone went and jumped on Starvo and then a lot of value of those cards just dropped off the face of the earth yeah. as well. And that's... The game's still a business and you got to be careful with, like hurting the economy too hard with by putting too much in or taking too That'll much That'll change out. with Living Legend, trust me. Living Legend format or whatever it's going to be called. If people take that, it. Like they're change. printing a lot of UPF stuff. Yes. In our local, there's zero absorption of that. So you can't. You also can't assume that people will jump on Living Legend because if my local doesn't play Living Legend, you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. I, if I can't go to a Living Legend is format it, armory... It's it's a it's it goes both ways though because mm. I think you know as a as a business like I think Tales of Aria in particular was like a, a really bold move I think from LSS to print a set where they go here's a set and then you look at it and you go wow there's like no generics in the set and it's like yeah you don't actually have to buy the set if you don't <laughs> want to and that's mm. as a business like the the complaint I think comes from Magic because mm. they are run as corporate as it gets when it comes to you know um, a, a trading card game and they want people to buy. Basically every single product. And that, you know, pushes a lot of people out for burnout and things like that. And that, that could happen in, in Fish and Blood. And the inverse could happen as well. We go, mm. oh, it's too stale, it's too fresh. It is such a balancing act. There's mm. always going to be critics. There's always going to be, yeah. you know, it's you're never going to be able to get perfect. But the job for LSS is to get it as best as possible for the best player experience and for the best wider community experience. And yep. ultimately, yes, the competitive player is a big part of the pillars of LSS and where they want to take the game. But the casual players are going to. You don't make to money off the, the competitive players. Not really. You don't even play foils in your deck. You li- you're literally worthless to LSS. <laughs> I buy quite a bit. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, I'm close no, to worthless. You, you go. You go. What I mean, though, to, to you, like yeah, yeah. you're you're not the, the the competitive players, like the top hundred players in the world, top five hundred players in the world, are not where the money comes from. I disagree. Okay, yeah. I heard people say this with um, you know, even even our good friend the Ironback Brendan, who came from Watsi's now with LSS, like you know, he was working with Watsi when they dismantled the pro play mm. club. And the whole reason why they dismantled that club was like, those pros don't bring any money to Magic. And I'm like, mm, I don't think that's true. That's not true. Because <laughs> for every pro there is, there's an army of Timmies behind them. Even though Hayden's not might not be spending a lot of his disposable income, he's inspiring a lot of wannabes uh, like me that's to do that. That's not the point, but yeah, 100%. It, well, it, it, yeah, like... 100%. I think, uh, like, and, the, and, the, and that's what I... 
it's hard to track that. It's hard to put a price on that. It's very, it's very pine. All I'm yeah, saying finger is, finger in the only, sky sort of thing. But if you only cater to pros, yeah, like if your entire game design is around pros, the game your fails. Game's gonna fail. That's yeah, what, that's all cool. I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, Paul. The the difference between them is flesh and blood is focusing on the pro scene because they know for every hundred pro players and someone winning a hundred k at worlds, there's ten thousand people aspiring to it. Or at least wanting awesome. to watch it. No, no, which 100% yeah. never, ever changed. But you could yeah. balance it. Mm. Correct. But that is a point. If it's not, and this is a classic, goes back to, you know, if you've worked in any kind of field of marketing or something before, or you have any interaction with this, like, if you can't see the ROI, if you can't see the rate of, you know, your, mm. your rate of return on this, it's probably not, it's, it's not going to get past the line, no matter how good it actually might be, mm. because it's not trackable. And it's not, and that's, that is kind of, I think, an issue that hit, hit Magic when they went through a lot of restructure. But I think, Alice's understand that and they know yep. the value of what their, their pro is, plays like, bring to the future. Like they cut appearance fees. I used to love going to our GPs in Australia seeing two dozen Japanese pros there. Yeah. The only reason Me why too. they came because they were all awesome. getting appearance fees. Mm, exactly. And I felt like it was a spectacle. Yep. I was like, whoa, all these pros from Japan are coming down with the peasants. You know, they were play testing in the public areas, like doing crazy Team stuff. drafts on Sunday. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah. what the hell? This is freaking like I'm the biggest Timmy. I'm a freaking super fan. You reckon How good we, is this? us three could get appearance fees? To the next oh, I event? would love Flesh and Blood to get to a spot where the pros are paid appearance mm. fees to go to callings. Okay, I'm a big believer in that. I would love to see them get paid to show up at these grassroots tournaments. And I'm sure Flesh and Blood will get there. Um, but you know, I'm I'm big into that, like real yep. big into that. And as soon as those appearance fees stop, these pros stop going to GPs. Yep. Even the domestic ones in America, they stop going. Yeah, it sucked. My my first ever Magic GP I went to was 2006, I want to say, and it was the first ever New Zealand GP. And it was like, you know, all the big names there. It's like, you mm. know, you 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 know, I don't need to go through more, but the people, people like Louis Scott Vargas, mm. you know, who, who like just there's so many like Olivier Ruel, like people. Someone from France is here, but and that doesn't that doesn't happen if you don't have the structure in place to to support it. Yeah, and those people bring other people in through the door, even if they're not playing the main event, they're there to play, you know, side events or whatever. Um, but they're going to be there. I mean, this is already happening in, in Flushing, and I'm not saying that Alice just needs to, to to do the system. It's you know that was a structure that came through years and years yeah. of competitive play. But mm. even to the point where you know at the pro tour, I'm watching people go around to their favorite content creators and their favorite mm. pro players and get photos with them get their signatures, you know, have conversations with them. And that is that is part of the experience. That yes. is part of the big thing. And you cultivate that through rewarding people for going to these events. What's the likelihood we get a pro tour in Australia? The low. game is based in this side of the world, low. so it's not that low. But, you know, someone who is never going to leave Australia to travel to an event, it's not feasible for them, but they like to travel to the callings of Australia. They're a fan of X player. Maybe they're a fan of someone like a Tarek Patel, right? Mm. And then Tarek has incentive to come and play, you know, a calling in Australia or whatever. That's fantastic. Like... Michael mm. uh, Michael Feng and Yuan Ji were in Singapore. Yeah. And I just saw people that were like fans of Michael yes. get to have a conversation with Michael, which, you know, that happened because Michael went out of his way to travel to Singapore. But yeah, yeah it's, it's such no, a no, I, yeah, But you I can't measure that. It. You can't measure exactly, that, can you? you? That's Look, the difficult thing. The way Fab's going now, one thing they're doing very well at the events is the artists. They're clearly doing that oh, for yeah. the artists, right? Like they're making sure that yep. there's an, like the artist in Singapore. Uh, Livia, it's a tangible one though. No, no, but, no, no, no. <laughs> but but that's what. Look, it's yeah. a good place to be though, where you know it's a good place to start. I would say. Yes. The second thing is it's the way they're going. Like with their cosplay reward, is they're maybe not paying out cash necessarily. I'm, I'm sure the official ones the are getting one, yeah, the yes, official ones. Yeah. But the fact that they're giving out promos that are worth money, and they if they keep because that's the 
how Fab is doing the collectability well. Yeah. That could be all it needs to be is if you're X rank and you come, there's this, you know, one of 50 promo. Yeah, right. It's the Yu-Gi-Oh model, which has worked, but I think we've obviously seen it dip off, right? Into yeah. the- I'm not familiar, but it just, it feels like while they're a smaller company and can't maybe spend the extra couple of hundred thousand or 50,000 per event or whatever it would cost to do that. Yeah, of course. They can at least go part way to give product like they do the judges. Even yeah. like if you knew you get a case for turning up because you're ranked, it might, it helps because you can pre-sell the case and might cover it. I'm not taking it back with me. Look, <laughs> I'm sure. saying it's something they might Mind roll you, that out was, over the next decade. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's, I don't think it's in yeah. any way expectation. But I understand now, what but. you're saying because it's, it's, again, it's... <clears throat> That's the best part of those events. I, th- I think the other issue is that we're not quite there. Like, we don't have the narratives. And I think this is, mm. um, you know, I don't need to like go into it too much, but I think, you know, coverage and this is something I know that Brendan is um, going to be at Worlds doing coverage and he's pretty passionate about this is that there needs to be more narratives mm. around the people side of the game. Yes. You know, mm. the game only goes so far, especially we're in a format where people, you know, it's like we've seen Starvo on stream five times now, but hey, what if we see Starvo on stream one time and it's a Starvo mirror and it's, you know, uh, X person that's really well known versus this person that has, you know, they qualified via an LCQ or something or the very last pro quest of the season in their country. And, you know, this is their first big performance. You know, yep. that, those are the things that I think are super exciting. We want to know. And that goes away to growing the people that at some point then become effectively marketing assets for, yes, for yeah. LSS. To, but that to does take time. Like, of course it does. Like Pablo even flirting with becoming Pro Tour champion back-to-back yeah. was was an insane story waiting yeah. to happen, right? I was rooting for him, even though I'm very happy Michael won. I was like, man, imagine Pablo winning two in a row. Like, it's the stories, but they take time. But what if, yeah. what if um, you know, what if I said to you, so what if we'd built that more through the... And this is, I think this is just feedback. In the coverage, yeah. What if we'd been following Pablo a bit more? Because yes. there was a point, you know, he was running the tables. It's like 11-2 or whatever. Right, he was yeah. running the tables. Like he was, he was, you know, looking pretty good on yes. day two. Yeah. Why was there not, you know... How Someone with a camera point? going... Yeah. How, do we, yeah, how do we get to a floor coverage person? Yeah, how do we floor get to, coverage How do we get to someone important. between rounds to like, mm. we've got Pablo and we're going to have a, you mm. know, chat to him or, hey, mm. Pablo, take us through your draft deck from the last round. This is what, you know, there's, there's narratives that can be built there and yeah. I think that's... They, they did that a bit in Lil with Alex. I think they gave him some of the, to, yeah. But it's but you gotta like target it that way. You gotta go, Alex, we want this. Like you want you need someone who wants to write the narrative to be like, we need to talk to him. Yeah. I go. think you need the people in coverage who yeah. who have the experience to do that, I think. Yeah. And that's what I think. Like I know. spotlight some of the female players, the less known ones. Like there's like five of them in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that kind so of thing is very important. Yeah. My favorite TCG content ever made, hands down, is walking the planes. Yeah. yeah, like hands down. I, cool. I, like it's very in, well done. Very well done. I, you mm. know, I, I was fortunate enough in the Sydney Pro Tour for MTG to meet uh, Nathan Holt. I think you say yeah. Nathan Holt, the producer, director, and the protagonist in the series, and um, lovely guy. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him, chatting to him during that event, and that really built narratives. That's what that basically walking the planes was. You know, he did, whether it was women in MTG or a certain pro team. Following them into an event. Following to them yeah. event. And yeah. he'd have a lot of um, footage from in the homes and he'd build a story. He'd add comedy and, you know, a yeah, bit yeah. of flair to it and all the rest of it. But they were amazing um, at yeah. building um, emotion into the game and putting, you know, faces behind that. And I think Flesh and Blood will get there. It'll just take time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like simple things that we can start with, like you said, is floor coverage, people with a roaming camera or, you know, just some basic stuff. Well, to be honest, Paul, if we, like we, we got permission to, uh, to have funder at Worlds 
on the LSS table, like at I, the LSS section. How do you get this Arsenal pass? <laughs> oh, you're playing. Am, That's the difference. And Brendan's doing. Oh, is Brendan <laughs> doing coverage for Worlds? He is. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Well, I asked. That's if how you don't ask, you don't get. Correct. <laughs> but wheel but it's, it, it can start. So here's what I did have a lengthy chat about coverage in general with James when I was in New Zealand. I'm like, man, like how hard is it to just give me permission to do nationals? Like just say, like if I got something from LSS going, we've told the TO you're allowed mm. to stream. Lucky for us, Grand J did a fucking amazing job at the coverage. That's the one thing they did right. I was yeah. Amazing. <laughs> no, no. And that's all we need to say about it. It was amazing. We've already, and everyone knows. Yeah. But the, the coverage, the, the guys that were, um, oh, commentary. the commentary was great. Yeah, commentary. World Club. They yeah. their very happy. Yeah. Very, very happy. But it, but that's them setting it up. The TO rather than which is better. Having I don't mind who casts it. Get some locals, but have it guaranteed at every calling and up. Just even yeah. there's nothing stopping us doing skirmishes. It's just yeah, you need some. But what I what I told yeah. But most of the stores won't. Sure, but I don't think you. I, I think what I would count like my what mm. I want is I want really high level coverage. Like I want it to be continuity. Yeah, that, I want it to be great production value. Otherwise, that's what I'm saying. I I, that's what I was saying to James is, if you tell a content creator like, because Noah's keen on it too. If there's a, plenty of us that would do it, the difference is I'm not going to go invest in even packing an extra suitcase with equipment. Yeah. If I don't know that the next 10 events I can stream, because I'm happy with just the views on my channel. Mm. I, I don't make a lot of money, but it will at least I get see a return. If I buy some equipment and put a sound, like make a makeshift soundproof booth. Yeah. Like if I had a setup, I don't think it's that expensive. What I was trying to explain to James is you don't need to spend a cent. Giving me something for it would be amazing. But if you just gave me permission, but more or less some exclusivity or some. Like, hey, if you can meet this criteria, mm -hmm. this sound quality, yeah, it doesn't need to be money. Just make sure the TO has to give me a spot to stream. Yeah. It's done. By the way, in Australia, we have world class casters. We can get all that done. Just no, we don't have consistency. Yeah, remember, like um, Nats at RC, we got told the day before. Uh, anyone want to stream? I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a shame because that is what helps grow the game. I believe is. You yeah, have these big events. Yeah. It, that's why I say skirmishes specifically. The Blitz team calling is such a missed opportunity to like stream some devs playing. Yeah. Like there were narratives. There was a team with two brutes. There was like, do you know what I mean? There was like, a non-dev team in the top four. Imagine, imagine that. <laughs> Good players. Mm, debatable. Um, but again, it's, it's early days. And the thing is we all want, I think the same thing. See the game succeed. And the yeah. coverage is, I think a big part also just documenting it. Just... Being I able go, to go I back. go back and watch old Pro yeah. Tours from 2004. You know, like I, I love the now. The, la the last thing I'll say though is I think that bad coverage can do as much Worse. harm as good yes. coverage can do right. And I think I that is you. what Alice is a little bit worried about and so I completely understand it. Hmm. All right, let's take a turn on this. I've got something, you know, this has been burning the hard on my mind. Hey, no, it's not a hard question. You know, it's something that's really been troubling me and I'm sure because it's troubling me, it must be troubling everyone. Us. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I feel. So, you know, we all talk about tilt, and John said you're pretty much, if not the most consistent player in Australia. Okay, I put that down to your temperament. Um, we talk a lot on, you know, you've spoken a lot about it on Arsenal Pass. I've done it on my channel. Other people have spoken on it. How to deal with tilt? Mm. How to deal with salt? How to keep a level head? I want to know not how to deal with tilt. I want to know how to deal with overexcitement. How to squash that white line fever? 
Because I know for me, sometimes when I think I see that white line, it's I put the blinkers on and I just boom, and then I get taken out from the side, <laughs> ankle tapped. I don't see it coming. Yeah, reckless I get swing. So fixated. Oh, no. I know what you're talking. You know, about right now. and I'm so rushed. <laughs> you know what's funny? Matthew Folk said that he did that. He nearly punted like, the final. Yeah, yes, yeah. he nearly punted the final because yeah. he just saw the win, but he didn't see that he could lose. But I do that yeah. all the time, like all the time, flesh and blood. I'm trying my best, and it's yeah. like I think I've got the tilt thing not mastered, but I, I'm kind of mm. in touch with that side of myself. But I don't know how to squash this mm. bloody white line fever and this overexcitement and this impulsiveness to just, you know, shoot from the hip and yeah. go for it. And then I realize and I look at my cards and go, why the fuck did I do that? You know, <laughs> like what, what what are your thoughts on that? Like how, how can someone stay composed like you and calm down and just, you know. Um, first of all, I guess, thank you. <laughs> I've seen Hayden tilt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I allow, I think, yeah. I think you've got, I think you allow you've got, the emotion. you've got to allow something in, right? Because if you have no emotion, like, what are you doing it for? You also don't you want know? to win enough. <laughs> right. Like you've got to have some passion. Mm. I think I'm, I think I'm passionate about this game and I, sometimes I will let that get the better of me and, and you know, I, but I do try and keep that. I think the, the, the first thing you talked about tilt, right. And I think that is in like how not to tilt and how to be composed. And I think that's something that is, I've found that a bit easier to come by and I probably through experience, the other side of it, this like you talking about like the overexcitement and, and mm. putting the blinkers on and being, you know, just like, there's the line, that's the line, we're off kind of thing and then never thinking back. Um, for, for some reason or another, and I, I honestly couldn't tell you why, I don't think I've fallen victim to that one as much. So I can't, I probably can't speak as much, but I have, I do have friends who have, have experienced that and I think a big part of it is, um, I tell you, I think the biggest one that I find people have in this game and I think, I think this is what you're talking about, especially if you play, you play someone that you think is better than you mm-hmm. and you sit down across from them and you talk, you know, you start to find... You know, maybe you're winning the game, and you're like, there's things start to circle around your head, like I should be winning this game, and you know, then you get distracted, or you know, it's like you've just got to be like, well, just just play what's in front of me, and then play this line, and all of a sudden you've missed something that was mm. probably obvious if you're playing against anyone else that wasn't person X, um, and I think the way to to dismantle that, I think, and I think the way to stay, I guess, a bit more composed is to just treat it like. And this, I mean, it's hard. It's easier said than done, I guess. But to just treat like every an game, armory. To do, maybe not even armory, just to treat every game as if it is um, the the finals of the pro tour, <laughs> because eventually, gotcha. Eventually, to build good eventually habits. it will be. Yeah, you know, if, mm. I think if you have the mentality, but like you know, for the first ten games, you know, you might treat your armory and this. I'm careful about saying this because I don't want to encourage people to go and start, you know, playing hardball and, you know, going to an armory and yeah, yeah, treating sharking it like it is a and, yeah. pro tour. I think you should never I think shark, I can actually answer this question for you and I'll tell you why. Sure, go on. Have you watched him stream lately? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, so my, my, one of my talents, um, it's taken me a long time at 35 to figure out what my talents are. I'm, I am very good at, I, I'm not necessarily someone that will build a deck, right? But I can, if you talk me through the flow chart and logic, I can pick that up. I can, I get to a high skill level with a lot of things because I can emulate very high skill people that maybe have 20 years experience in it. And I copy the, what I deem are the best habits mm-hmm. there. So I'll explain what I'm trying to say. When you watch Hayden play on Talishar, because he's talking, and I've realized this teaching me when I stream Talishar about my thought processes, you're going through a logical flow chart out loud. You're going, I see this line. Actually, there's this line. Should I do this or that? And 
I believe pro chess players do the same, is they don't see every move, but they know that option A, B, C are the the closest to perfect, and then they try and figure out from those 15 moves ahead. Like, they're not they're not calculating like a computer does. Mm-hmm. No one can, but you see four cards in an arsenal and a tunic. You can see the two lines. You actually vocalize that when you stream, which is helping me go, see, this is why he's a better player than me. I usually see one line and I fire. That's how I play. Because I'm, I'm when there's nothing on the line, I don't overthink the. I think it. But when you, yeah, when you play, you see the line, and ninety nine percent of the time, the first instinct you have because you are a very good player is the right one. You always double check. But do I want to block with this? Like you always, you go through it once, and you do it in reverse, and then you double check, and then you play. Even when it's a Talishar Reinar game that probably has no benefit to you winning or losing, I yeah. think you do that whether it's at an armory or at a pro tour, you're just running through the cycle. That's exactly what um, Roy told us to do. Yeah, He just has the same logical thought process. He uses intuition, but he uses the same logic. He tries to see what state the game is in before he does anything. Am I losing? Am I winning? Who has tempo? He's, that's what he's doing. Well, that, that, if you develop the same questions that work, and someone needs to, I told Roy the same thing, someone needs to actually make this content. Yeah, is <laughs> like... Forget what deck you're playing. What should you be paying attention to? Do they have a tunic? How much can they block with armor? My biggest losses on Dory is I don't count the opponent's armor before mm. I crack courage. To <laughs> like, what it's block. very simple, yeah. but they're not going to give me a reprise. I'll swing for four and they block four with armor. And I'm like, I'm... Since one part. Yep. Yeah. Just because I didn't ask a very simple question I should ask on every Dory match. Yeah. How much armor do they still have? How much armor do they still have? Because Dory wins when you don't have armor. Like if I pop off when you don't have armor, you're going to give yeah. me a reprise. Like, you understand. Yeah, you're playing into the same. I think that's why but why you're consistent and why you don't, white line get excited is because even when you're going to win nationals, you're still having the same loop in your mind. I, that's all well and good, John. If I'm sitting <laughs> in my undies drinking a 2015 Malbec from Argentina playing Talishar, no problem. I can, I can have those conversations with myself. But when I'm you know, X and O in round five and Nats and I'm shitting bricks and, you know, I'm getting overexcited and I'm shaking, I'm vibrating, I'm <laughs> elevated off the chair, I'm levitating. Out of body, out of body experience. Yeah, and I'm just like, is this happening? No, no, and I just Paul. see these lines and I'm like, oh, fucking slam. And then, you know, I pass priority and I'm like, oh, what the... F-? You know? It's, it's a... It's a I, I actually, do you know what? I, I think John's nails something that I've never really thought through in terms of like... No one's ever asked me that question, really. Everyone's always asked the, the opposite, right? How do you not tell? How do you do this? And mm. I never really talk about the way that I play the game. But when you ask a question like that, and then you said that, that makes me think, yeah, that's the way I play every single game. And I think it's a bit between that and what I just said earlier about, you know, treat it like it's a pro tour final. I, I, the reason I said that is not because I think you should go in and, and play hardball in every game. It's actually so that you train yourself to just just feel that every game has equal importance. So that the big game is no more important than, mm. than the small game. Like, I feel... To be honest, I feel the same if I lose a, a skirmish semi-final than I do my winning into the top eight at, mm. at a pro tour because it's the same mentality of I go to an event, I just play every game until I have no games left to play and my goal each game is to win and to not think beyond that game and not think about the bigger mm. picture. And yes, easier said than done, but I think once you get into it, it came from mistakes in my end of, of being like, this game's won, what next? You know, yeah. And that's what lost me games. That's what lost me things. And then trying to reevaluate that and it's just my end, my end thing was I'm just going to play every game like it's you know like it's an important game like I, I, I want to win every game 
but let's just play in the game and then worry about the next one afterwards. And I think that is, um, that's it. That's, I won't d- dive into this, but I said this to someone the other day. I actually said it on a, a Patreon pod that we did for Arsenal Pass. I, d- I hate this mentality of I'm going to 2-1 the pod. You've already given yourself a loss. <laughs> what, what's going on there? Mm. I yeah. just want to draft a 2-1 You should be deck. asking, how can I 3-0? Yeah. Uh, yep. How mm. can I draft the best deck possible? Don't don't worry about if it's a 3-0 or it's a 2-1. Like, mm. play each game and then, and then worry about it afterwards. But anyway, that's why I think, I think there's a bit of a conjoint between what John's saying, I think technically there's some things there that probably work for me and I allow think me to do it. But you've been playing since piece. you were a kid, basically. Yeah, like I guess some of, yeah. it's, some of it is ingrained. Because sure. th- this is what I see as I like, because I, again, jujitsu example, the, the kids that are tearing it up in professional jujitsu now started when they were three. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's behavior. But the way, that, the way they function is it, they're playing, they're not, fighting do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and i think when when i watch you play again like even in at a high level you don't seem shaky you're like you know it you know there's variables you can't control and then i think this is also probably why you tilt less than some people or you're more immune to tilt when you're you're predictable like you hayden are predictable because you're gonna do what you usually do yeah and i can't imagine you never misplay but i think asking i do all the time yeah but i think asking and it's more answering your question, Watch Paul. My the, the direct thing I'm, I would notice is, I think people like Roy Hayden, funnily enough, love you, Phil, but I'm going to call you out. Something Phil doesn't do, Phil plays fast. And then he'll tilt sometimes because he played fast, assuming it's a winnable matchup. He'll or, block or, in or correctly. Or matchup. Sure. I, I think you and Roy, the way you talk about the game, and now watching you stream is what showed me that there's, they just asking the same questions. It's not. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Doesn't matter who the opponent's deck is. You're just asking: Am I playing this perfectly? Is there an option B that's better? Is there an yeah. option C that's better? Should I like? And and it's usually a little bit more reserved. Like you're going, you, you usually err on the side of um, caution or or. To like if there's a way to have a good turn and not block with armor, you're yeah. not. Like a lot of games, you'll end the game. It's like 5v5. I have defaults. I have defaults out of yes. because otherwise I'd be there all day. Yeah. You know, I sit with through lines. I think it's true. Yeah. I just go through. I will say that I, I definitely get nervous. It's not like I don't get nervous, you know, and there's certain players that I will play against and I go, I know this player's better <laughs> than me. And that, I think initially when I sit down at the table, that's something that I have to tell myself like, doesn't matter. What do you want to do here? Do you want to win or mm. no matter who it is, you want to win the game either way. And the best way to win the game is to play the best possible game you can play. So, doesn't make a difference who's sitting down in front of you. Just play the game. Yep. Easier said than done. Like, I definitely still get nervous, especially in spots where it's like, I had a win in him for PT1, right, in, in New Jersey. And sitting down at the table, like, I, I, I did feel, like, a little bit nervous. But um, for some reason at PT New Jersey, I think because I started at 01, mm. it settled me so much more, and I just played my games, <laughs> to well, be honest. That's a, Pablo started 02. Yeah, and won the thing. Amazing. That's the in and mm. of itself the biggest lesson in temperament and mindset. Because you saw him at PT two, yeah, and he's just chill wearing his fucking Havianas or whatever he's wearing. Do you know? No, no, but he's just he is definitely yeah. not putting any more pressure on himself than is going to happen by the event. Do you know what I yeah. mean? I don't think he goes there thinking I need to win, but I think he sits down and he wants to win, and yeah. he plays the match, and then he walks off. Whether he loses or wins, he was he already knows he's going to play the next one. And like I said, play all the games, try and win them all. Yeah, see what happens. There's another game after this one, and if it's not yeah. another game because the events have it, there's another event after this one. Yes, I, I think this works for some people, and another for other people, they've got to put a strategy that might work is got to put immense pressure on myself to mm. to be able to calm myself down and and you know 
stay focused and not get outside the game. And that's fine. Like everyone's going to have different strategies, I think. But, you know, to go back to your original question you asked about, I guess, temperament and how to stay in that situation. I think for me, the thing that has worked is, is what I just talked about. Treat every game the same and whether that's to treat it like it's an armory, maybe that works for some people, or it's the Pro Tour final, whatever's going to work for you. Ultimately, just don't be a dick though if you are going to treat it like think, Pro Tour I think you're just thinking about it. It's, it's very good advice because if you play armories where you're take backs and laughing and right, but if you, if you have aspirations to win a pro tour, you probably need to at least keep your good habits. Yeah. No, no, for yourself, I will let a take back happen. I won't ask for one in an armory because I feel like that teaches me bad habits. Like I, I take, if I miss a tunic in an armory, I let that sit. Yeah. I, have, I play around it. I don't ever ask. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. I'm saying, I think I've played against you. You're not like, you're never an asshole to play against, but you are definitely you. serious when you play. Like you'll chat if someone's chatting, but no, no, but you're playing. Yeah. Like you're not, it's not like blase, I'm here to socialize. You're usually there to play is what I'm trying to say. I would say I'm actually, I think interestingly, I don't have a particular default setting. Like I know a few players have talked about this. Like I know Matt's talked about it where he's mm. like, I'm looking at my cards, I'm looking at my opponent's face. I've heard other people talk about it. Um, I know good good friend Dan, he's like, just want to like, have the most fun I can playing like my game. I'm actually pretty reciprocal to, I think, how my opponent's energy is. Yep. I think I don't really have a, a default energy. So if I sit down and, you know, at the Pro Tour, I had a couple of games where, um, you know, very fortunately, the, the people were like fans of Arsenal Pass and they yep. wanted to chat. And that's yeah. fine by me. No, no, 100%. You know, and I might yeah. say to them at some point, like, sorry, I just need to think about this play, whatever. And generally at that level, people aren't going to chat during the game. But, you know, you might have a few jokes back and forth and, and that's cool. I'm, I'm into that. Like, if yeah. that's what people want, but also if someone is someone who needs to sit within themselves and play their own game, then I'm also going to respect that and let them let yeah. them do their own thing. I think I'm pretty open to being. Mm. I'll be myself when I play the game, and to, uh, there's an extent to what that is, which is you know, a few jokes, bit of fun. I want to have fun playing, but you know, I'm not going to talk the whole time. That's not me. Yeah. I'm not gonna. But I'm also not going to sit there in stone silence and. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're you're 100. Like I've played against you at armories, skirmishes. I don't think we've times? played any higher events. Not yet. Not yet. Keep you've, dodging you've dodged a bullet. Either yeah. I'm scrubbed out or you're <laughs> scrubbed out. One way Look, like you said, it's one event. Like I I don't put the time in to know I'll perform. Like at the end of the day, you do need to prepare a bit more than I do to consistently do well in events. Like nationals, I didn't, I didn't really do much before nationals. I just went. Other than the drafts we used to do, but that yeah. didn't seem to teach me anything because it's just a luck-based format, so... Oh, here we go. <laughs> <On that note>. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty no, no, boy. No. By the way, that's a look. What I'm trying to say about the draft format, which I'm not the only one that says it, whether it's wrong or right. I'm not saying it's luck based. There's clearly a draft skill. Yeah. I feel like a lot of skill. The, the yeah. <laughs> the matchups. The the I got you. Okay. There's, there's, in a there's fine so mirror, many. who wins the dice roll matters more than it should, in my opinion. Sure, sure. At, just as a raw example, right? That's what I'm trying to say. It feels yep. like there's a little bit too much of that. I love the set. I love yep. the amount of generics. I love the three heroes, the trifecta without, but two talents rather than like Arya with like three three L, combinations. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I love Uprising. I yep. just feel like you can draft the best deck at the table in O three because of your matchups and dice rolls. That happens. More than I'd like to see it happen. Yeah, I, I guess. Like you're for right. instance, we had three Icelanders in my pod in Pro Tour, uh, Lil, mm -hmm. two Icelander mirrors. Like the chance of that happening yeah, yeah. is very low, 
but when it happens, it's terrible. <laughs> That's it happens. Uprising is not a perfect format, but no. it's through the imagination. If you want, and I'll just little mm. plug, little plug. Yeah. If you want to hear myself, Ren, and Tarek talk about this very thing and the things that we think your most are, recent pod, the pod that came out yesterday, yeah, the, today. Excellent podcast. Thank by you, the way. thank you. I had a lot of fun doing that pod with Tarek. I think. Tarek and particularly myself have a few things that we really agree on and a few things we don't agree on and that's that's the beauty of it but I will say our pricing's not a perfect format we haven't had a perfect draft format yet I, I don't think we'll you know we'll never get a perfect WTR draft format. closer to perfection than uprising in your uh, opinion looking back so I think if we had a WTR draft at say let's say worlds I think things would rear their head about things that people don't like it's it's always going to happen but I think mm. probably a more rounded draft format than uprising there's things that are going to tilt people less in terms of the the factors and um, I mean just to summarize I guess something that we talked about was you know a big thing for me was like a 15th card and Tarix was another class card probably fixes that that whole issue that we have with the format so yeah it's, you know, it's very close to being amazing I, it's really I feel, good yeah. but there's just you know there is issues with it and to be sometimes honest, WTR, you feel like no agency WTR and probably Arcane has never got to draft it it feels like Majestics are much stronger than they are in Uprising like um, Uprising Majestics don't necessarily win you the game no some of I the like or force <laughs> you into a hero yeah yeah while some WTR some of them were like oof yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, some of those cards are just yes. Yeah, it's just like yeah. you build a whole deck around that, you hit it the tempo swing yeah. or the punishing effect of the on hit. Which again I, I which is why uprising draft's quite good is it's there's so bombs. many choices. That's what you get yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. don't personally like bombs, so mm. it's like it's everyone's got WTR their own has thing, right? bombs for it sure. Does, yeah. yeah. What I like about WTR and my only and last complaint about Uprising is that Uprising is one weapon hero. Like WTR had four weapon heroes. Yeah, yeah. So your your baubles and like janky cards that you m- maybe had to draft in yeah. felt more useful. And I do think that's why Fire Overperforms is the ability to pitch a card into a good. weapon. Yeah. That, yeah. that that like, not that you could give <laughs> the other two heroes a weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Iceland is the second closest to that, where she can generally have a consistent. While Dromai is like, you can absolutely demolish a pod if you draw well or draft well. Yeah. But sometimes when that deck, just your hand is actually can't do anything. Like yeah. it, that can happen. Um, There's no archetypes in Uprising, and that ultimately is my actual biggest issue with it. Is that Welcome mm. to Wraith? I think is probably not enough variance i think and you'll notice that probably the yeah, but monarch tail or tails especially at archetypes right i really yeah. like tails yeah that's the last thing i'll say is i think tails is yeah. the best truffle so far because like, it had it had two different so it's six heroes on pe- technically there was six heroes yeah and there was maybe minimum, they're not all strong two archetypes within each as well so you had a lot of different combinations whereas you've got three heroes this time and you've got three archetypes yes a so. uh, i believe has two because, I but mean, it, it's really luck of the draw. Yeah. Icelander potential. I've seen some good hybrid Icelander builds. What does hybrid mean? Like a lot of red attack actions. Yeah, with attack actions. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it still inherently plays the same game pattern, and the mm. games are going to end the same, which revolves around a blue and not. But the strategy. I understand. Yeah. You're saying like the the game plan with your deck. Yeah. In uprising, there's the less nuances aren't there. Yes, like yeah. welcome to Wraith. You know, I think within each hero, there's four, five, six different archetypes, which mm, is right. fantastic, and that but that's driven by. Generics. It's driven by the class. Well, you had generic combos in Arcane and WTR, right? You got Roger Gurjain and all the Yeah, and even yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. sets aside, yeah. draft 
is skill intensive. <laughs> like, I don't know, but when have I ever said it's not? That's whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I've never said draft is a skill. Oh, come intensive. on, mate. You and you and Phil were ripping bloody draft to yeah, shreds. Yeah, uprising draft. Oh no, no, no. If no. you if you, you should take some editing duties from just dropping a two minute <laughs> yeah. clip right now. Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, he doesn't touch yeah. the editing. No, I'll find no. the clips. Don't you worry. Yeah, but no. Have you got a question for Hayden, or can I? No, no go for it. Go like, for it. are we done on the topic of his mentality stuff? Go for it. So just just quick I don't know history. If I asked the question. Sorry. No, you did. You did. No, it's very generally, helpful. It's very helpful. Generally, like listeners should go listen to the tar- I haven't listened to it yet, so that's something I will now. If it's talking about draft, yep. your last app, um, your last pod, um, and definitely watch Hayden some of the vods of you streaming because if you like, you don't notice it because you're just talking your thoughts. Yeah. But most people will be like, "Oh wait, that's how he's thinking through his lines." It's not a it's not a binary or a one dimensional thing. You're yep. definitely. Even though you're probably sure of what you're doing, you double guess yourself, yep. but in a non-nervous way. You just go, you double check. You just yeah, you're just always double game. checking, but I think that saves you a lot of pain in the future in the game where you like miscalculated by one or whatever. Things already figured out. I mean, you'll see me make a lot of misplays in this. It's it's one thing I've learned is it's friggin' hard <laughs> to stream and play at yes. op- at an optimal level, which is like, but I feel I feel comfortable with that because I think I think the appeal to probably me streaming Telesha is my thought process yep. and. The how I'm approaching a matchup from a game plan perspective. Yes, I might make a couple of misplays, punt a thing here or there because of you know not being able to fully focus on it. But at the end of the day, it, like you know, it, you don't stream for a perfect knowledge. It's for no. it's for some knowledge and entertainment value. Yeah. Like you can go and watch. You know, there's some streamers out there who I think are pretty successful, and they're just like, you know, the the play is what you're there for. I, I want to be a little bit of both. No, no. <laughs> Would you watch me stream in my undies drinking a vino? Uh, no, only a Malbec. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. we're on then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I definitely would. All right. Give us some brief Haydendale history. So I know a little bit about it. You believe grew up in New Zealand? I did. Talk to us like in the in the in the sphere of gaming, cardboard. Like where sure. did you well, start? whereabouts in New Zealand again? Um so I was born in a small town called New Plymouth in Taranaki, which is under the mountain, which you, you know about though. That's where my wife was born. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm. You know about that under the uh under the, the shadow of the of Mount Taranaki. Um, nice spot, but Christchurch is where I went to high school and university okay. and everything in New Zealand. So um, I started playing cards. I think the first card game I was introduced to was was Yu Gi Oh um, when I was in primary school. So it must have been about ten, I think. Um, and I didn't really play it. You know, like you didn't didn't play it properly. Like you know, they had cards and we played the game, but we mostly did what we thought the cards. What the cards did in the TV show. You know, <laughs> that's how they worked. Um, so you can stack your deck, obviously. Uh, and then I had a I had a friend at primary school at the time who we were kind of playing cards with, and his his older brother played Magic, and he was actually like he'd just gone to regionals or something and top hated regionals. I was like, oh, he's like a professional. That's crazy, you know. Like, it's funny, but um, and then I got into Magic because of that. Moved city to Christchurch down the South Island, um, and then like I didn't didn't know anyone, and I just I was so sick to my mum was like. I've looked it up. There's this card store. I want to go and play Magic. Like, I want to, you know, this is something I want to do. Um, I already enrolled in all the sports and everything, so that that part was covered, but I was like, I want to do this. So, went and, went and like, did my first Magic draft. Uh, like What's I mean, that? Uh, it, was <laughs> it was Cold Snap. Ooh. Yeah. So, it wasn't the best first experience, but then I think two weeks after Time Spiral came out, anyway, and I drafted Time Spiral. But I'd been playing for a couple of years at that point, just casually, and then just completely got into it. I think I made my first ProQuest final when I was 13, I think. Um, is it a pro, pro, pro Tour qualifier? PTQ, yeah, wow. PTQ Impressive. final. Um, and then just kind of was like in the sort of like the game, playing, had no money, right? So just played what I could, borrowed, 
mm. didn't beg or steal, just borrowed uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I could from from people to you know to make decks and, and play in events and stuff like that. Then I think I took like a couple of years away from cards because I was a teenager and I stopped being chubby and got kind of good looking for a little bit, only for about two years and I got ugly again. That so didn't last, did it? No, I know, yeah. exactly. And, <laughs> uh, you know, did, did what you do as a teenager. And then um, went back, had had friends that I, you know, I'm still, this Daniel Mackay, who's like, mm. I test. Dr. Uh, Dan. Dr. Dan Mackay, who I test flesh and blood with, is like, I think we've known each other now for 15, 16 years. And so always been a good friend. So went back, played card games. Um, but then just, you know, just not feasible with like life, sports, university I ended up going to and then working part-time, just couldn't play events. So to play when I could, still made some like, pro, you know, PTQ finals and travelled to GPs and travelled to other events and stuff and, and won some stuff. And then moved to Australia, stopped playing card games. When was this? How old were you? When I moved to Australia? Yeah, when did you immigrate? Uh, five and a half years ago. So okay. after university. So I finished my master's degree, got a job here, a company I work for now actually, in a graduate program then I've just kind of stayed there. Didn't played a bit of magic to start with because I was like, oh, I have disposable income now. I can actually like <laughs> play this. And then kind of didn't really have friends. And I think friends make the game, yes. to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of walked away from that kind of grinding scene. Um, did, I don't really know what I did. Now I think about it. What I, what I, when I had spare time, what did I do with spare time? It's a foreign concept at this point. Were really you remember. dancing in New Zealand or here? That's what I, I Only in New Zealand. I was okay. dancing in New Zealand, yes. Yeah, Were so you I, high school? Uh, I've danced since I was 13 all the way through to basically I moved to Australia. Okay. Even the first the first two years in Australia, I still competed at nationals for dancing wow. back in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, just like commuted back to, to awesome. do it. Um, when, when flying was, you know, reasonably affordable. <laughs> um, That's never going to happen again, is exactly it? I know, exactly right. Ridiculous. And then, yeah, so then, and then Flesh and Blood just kind of dropped on my lap and... In, so uh, what October specifically how? So were you playing Magic Story when you were in Australia? Uh, so the first two years I did. What what, what LG? Where'd you hang out? Uh, you Good Games Hersel was my local. Okay, but I didn't really go to. I just went to PTQs basically yep. for I PPTQs. Think about, yeah, yeah, yeah. PPTQs at that time for about night the first sort of nine to twelve months, and then I think about I think the last PPTQ I played was I played Ryan Lewis Johns in the semi final. I was playing I think Mardu Vehicles. And then I lost the final to his his friend, and then I think that was the last event I played. I'm sure we're at the same events. Oh, we would have been. We, we would have been. Hundred percent would have been. I think I remember some tall dude walking around, some scrub playing <laughs> mill or eight rack or some dopey. I would have just been playing the aggro deck of the the, the flavor was du jour of the aggro deck. Of oh, the you time. were an aggro aggro yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. The cultured people all are, you know. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> combo aggro, surely. <laughs> so if, I guess flesh and blood for for me. Uh, I was at a magic event actually. I flew back home. The only magic events I played for the the last two years before I started playing flesh and blood was every year. Um, there's a community member in New Zealand who actually plays Flesh and Blood, Marnie Gardwell. Who oh, people, I know Marnie. People know Marnie. Great yeah, guy. Some, big got, shout out, Marnie. Yeah, big shout out. We got to hang out with Marnie. He was pouring us beers oh, in that Singapore. Was oh, that was such a legend. Great night. Yeah, very memorable. <laughs> We've had a couple of very memorable nights through actually. Fab so far. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. So, so More friends, to come. Friends and card games are all about that. More to come. Um, and he used to run this event. It was like a, a usually a cash event, usually sort of like, mm. I think like a couple thousand dollars, 5K sort of thing. And um, I had this, I, w- I top aided every single one and I won one of them. And so I would go back every year. And the very last one that happened in 2019, I was playing against Jason Chung, who's mm-hmm. one of the developers for Flesh and Blood. And after the game, I was like, what are you doing now? You're not, you're not playing Magic Profession anymore. He's like, designing this card game. And he just told me about it. And I was like, oh yeah, sounds fine, I guess. <laughs> um, and you then didn't know James then? I didn't know James. Yeah, oh, I mean, I knew him from Magic. Sure, I knew but, not, him, but yeah. not personally. 
Um, and then I, I went along to Good Game Tursville, picked up the Irodex men um, and my fiance, my partner at the time, we were playing. And then we're both like, this game's like low-key quite good. And then spoilers come out, you know, it's like, oh, there's equipment. There's cycles. What the heck's a cycle? Because the Irodex don't have cycles, mm. right? We didn't know about that. And then, yeah, went along to the, the first calling, uh, managed to win, and then just haven't looked back since, really, apart from COVID, obviously. But mm. even through that time, tried to play as much as I could with TCS and, and was producing content by that point. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel proud, like, being a Kiwi, that this game is birthed from New Zealand, very small country, you know, like, that must feel – you must feel incredibly proud. Like, I know I would be. I feel proud just being in a close proximity to yeah. New Zealand. And, you know, I've got a, my in-laws all being Kiwis. Like, I feel – I'm always, like, telling them about it, you know, like, guys, the best game in the world comes out of your country, you know. It's, it's even award-wise, it's amazing. it won. <laughs> yeah, like, it's amazing. Like, <laughs> like, like who, who would have thought, you know, I would never would have thought of this. Like, did it come as a surprise? Like – so you caught me off guard. How excited you got me? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I get excited um, quite easily, Timmy. Oh, super proud. I think you can't not be as a... I think, you know, um, there's a thing called tall poppy syndrome, which I think mm. Australian and Kiwis know very well. Mm-hmm. Explain um, it to the nun. It's basically just not being... Not wanting to be uh, too too proud of things, right? Not wanting to stand out and, and um, you know, gloat about things. Or it's very prevalent in New Zealand, yeah, even more is. so. It is. It's, it's, yeah. it's a thing of, you know, you don't you don't shout about your achievements. You know, your achievements are quiet. And, um, and if someone out. achieves, you cut them down very quickly. You cut them down, yeah, yeah. That's um, the tall poppy bit. Yeah, cut yeah. the tall poppy You cut down. the tall poppy, yeah. Which <laughs> is, um, but, that's, but that's, yeah, you don't yeah. do it because of fear. It's, of that, it's right? stark opposite of, like, the US. Basically, yeah. yeah. And I think that I think that has thankfully gone away in the past few years. It's starting to dissipate, I mm. think, but it's still definitely there. Uh, but regardless, I think you've, you've, you've got to be so proud. Yeah. I mm. think it's it's a uh, small company doing big, right? And um, Well, you were in the in the card gaming circle. There's clearly a, quite a high... Yeah, no, but you were playing yeah, yeah. And, and at like high-level events, as high as they get in New Zealand. Is that, you'd think, why the game was birthed there? Is there's, there's a small community but a high skill level in that community? I don't think so. No, I don't think that's what... I think... I honestly think what it is is, is it's... You, it's James. It's mm. honestly just... It's it's a passion that he had for, for card games and, a, I guess, a vision for what a card game could really be based on the history of card games and, I guess, to be honest, the golden era of, of TCGs. Um, and... Just happens to be that I think he's he's a New Zealander, and I think that what that does is it gave him the, you know, there's a there's a big thing in New Zealand of like punching above your weight. I think you know five million people in a country, you know, some of the best sports teams in the world, and yep. I think very competitive by nature mm-hmm. in New Zealand, and I think that is probably what drove James to have the success was that partly culture, partly his vision and ingenuity, and of course his kind of you know is just want to get it done and, and knew what he wanted to have here. I find that, you know, the New Zealanders do have incredible imaginations, dreamers, creative types, come up with amazing ideas, but James is able to actualise that, actually, like, have that vision and and, and, and birth it, you know, because I know there's a lot of vision in that country with people. You know, I've been there plenty of times and have a lot of friends there, family, but, um, yeah, how he was able to navigate the tall poppies and all the rest of it and actually birthed this vision. It's just, I just think it's remarkable. And being from the bottom of the world and created an international card game. It's not, it's, you know, different time zones, the logistics. And during COVID. COVID. Yeah. But I mean, you you look at, and I think as New Zealander, I think the the people that I point to, and yeah, it's it's a TCG. I get it. It's, you know, it's not something like, because other people I point to in New Zealand that have, you know, 
in different categories, but like a, Blue, a Bruce McLaren, you know, someone who just becomes one of the best racing drivers in the world from a garage. Um, you know, there's, there's people yep. like this that start in small places, but they have these big dreams, I think. And, and um, you know, being, being in a small place doesn't, doesn't stop them from doing it. Oh, well, he's also been able to do it with local talent. For sure, yeah, yeah. Like it's everyone in that company is is not an import. They have staff overseas, but the yeah. game itself is made in New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, like, a lot of the teams you know what I mean. They, they didn't go poach developers and game designers, and yeah. they even have Kiwi artists. Like, yeah, which is fun, and yeah. they have leveraged the international community, right? Yeah, which has been that's fantastic for the growth. Sure, and they should not shy away from that. I no, think. no, no, but, no, you know, like no. But say, he's still like he hires local. Been, he hires yeah, he local. Does. They've made it happen. Like it's you, you get what I mean. It's 100%. they didn't like go get some big CEO who, no. you know, used to work at What's He's They've done it they, they, with people with different skill sets, but especially during COVID, they had no choice. They might have done it different if they could, but they literally for Maybe. a long time were yeah. shut off yeah. I'm sure they from the rest they of the world. Know. Something I was talking about, um, uh, Alpha Investments, you know, he does his like market updates, Rudy, and he was talking about like how every card game set right now is dropped. Uprising hasn't. Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. In the US, the prices are still 85 or whatever, which is yeah. high, inverted commas. Um, but he, he, like he, like, but the reason I say that is it's the same as what happened during COVID. You might have not seen 200,000 people play Fab during COVID, but the fact that the company didn't die is a sign of growth. Yeah. <laughs> and now, in like what's basically a recession in the US, a lot of card games, a lot of new sets coming out. It's, they're not selling as well people's yeah. disposable income or it's income strong. in general yeah. yeah um but fab seems this fab 2.0 uprising the fact that it's the draft format it is quite fun to play Up, as Uprising's well a, a success it's a yeah. great set it's probably in terms of the sets that have come out it might not be better for some aspects than monarch Tales it's of the Aria. best set to date i think i, I think with the, even despite its issues i think what it's done for the stage of the game we're in it's mm. been uh, yeah it's just been phenomenal i think and you know, may it continue. I have two mm. two hard hitting questions for you. Ready? Go on then. Best player in Australia that's not called Hayden Dale. <laughs> Can I just do the Nick? <laughs> don't don't do a Nick. Oh. God, <laughs> it's like getting blood out of a bloody stone. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I I think um, I mean he's a national champion, so I think Nick has to mm. has to be one of those names. I, probably if I just like throw it because I, I think it's really hard, and I haven't played a lot of. Players recently, obviously, I could play some people at nationals, mm. but there's players I've played in the past, so I would say are, are very good players. I think if I was just like throw you know a few names out there for people to to think about in terms of who are the best best players in Australia, and in my eyes, again, this is my eyes, my experience. I might have played some other players for phenomenal players, but um, you know, Matt Clark, I think is is a is a great player. He's had always a, at top tables. Had the pleasure to play him yep. multiple times at events. Um, I beat him in. At Did the you? Battle Hearted, yeah, because he was on stream and I got a buy and I'm like, who's my opponent? Matt oh. Clark. Thanks, Matt Clark. Battle Hearted on Sunday, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the top, top four. Yes, he I topped, think. yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, Lachlan out of Brisbane is like another player who I've, I've played and when I played him, I could see that he is good at this game. Mm. Um, I think that's, I mean, I have to, I think personally have to have played against players and, and sure. see their skill. Like, you know, the Michael story I told at the start, I think those are the kind of stories that... Yeah, you're not going off, it's people you've played against going, okay, that's impressive. Like, yeah, so yeah. I mean, those are probably three. Uh, mm. I think Sable is a very good player down in Melbourne, you know. Yes, yeah. there's, there's, there's I mean, there is lots of good players in, in Australia, but I think those are the ones that have probably stood out to me in terms of I've played against them. And, and there's probably a couple I'm forgetting as well. Yep. Oh look, this play Luke Fletcher was there, and um, 
He's six owed on Dory in the yeah. CC component. Still, I, I've. It's funny about Luke and his brothers. It, like Luke is one of the top in the world in XP. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They, they got in day one at Midian. Yep. He hasn't like I don't think he's traveled to any of the big events. Oh, no, that's not true. He did go. He PT went to one. PT one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he hasn't got the accolade of like. You know what I mean? But yeah, he hasn't won something yet, but I'm sure, you know. No, no, but you sit time. in front, like, even watch him test. I don't know if you've ever seen Luke Fletcher just play a friendly game with his, uh, with Laura's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even put none attack actions on the board. They just go straight in the bin. Like, he's, he's still Blade hey, Supremacy straight in the bin. Play like every game like it's a pro to a final, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he, um, he even talking to Luke about the game. Oh, he, dude, he his just, depth of knowledge he's is He's on insane. another level. Yeah, he's on yeah. another like, level. Like, oh, I can... T- oh, God, yeah. What, he, what he, I actually think is people like that who... Um, very very high skill level, but th- like in their life, th- they're very they achieve so much when it's not like their focus. Like he plays Fab, but I think life in general, he Fab's not the only thing he does. Um, like work and whatever other stuff, and I don't think he tests the way some of the pro players yeah. test either. Like he plays in his armories, and then like Quan Lee kicked my ass twice. Quan, yeah, yeah, very good player. Like uh, names we always see. Um, second, not hard hitting question. What would you? Because the dynasty spoiler seasons technically hasn't started, but we've seen yeah we've this one wizard card, blessing of Syringe, yeah, which I I never have an opinion about cards because you don't unless you see the new heroes and yeah. other cards that might synergize with that card. Like you just I don't. But it's a supplemental set. This one. But what are you hoping to see? No, no. But there'll be new heroes and things that synergize with. Yeah, card. Like, I, I think I mean think new heroes wise. Hope, what am I hoping to see? Well, first of all, what am I thinking we're going to see just based on that? I think we're going to see something similar in terms of... Starvo? You, no. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see we'll see an adult hero that is playable, I think. Mm. But I think majority is going to be UPF. It's going to... You know, for the heroes base, it's going to be Blitz and well, young heroes, I think heroes, right? we've seen two. I think the Emperor is still... Yo, you could argue is maybe not right? competitive at 15 life without Kano's ability is going to be tough. We'll see. I don't know. It's so hard without like. Do <laughs> so you think we'll just get one adult hero? That's it. I don't. I don't. I. I would say in the mold we've seen so far. Mm. If you look at Everfest, right? We we get Starvo, and they have confirmed they want to do the Starvo treatment on many heroes because it's so time. hard. So let's say, I mean, the speculation is we get a, a, mm. a talented Kano, right? I think just based on because the law, yeah, yes, sure, Volcor and um, and I think we've seen a name somewhere or something, but. You know that would make sense, right? But otherwise, how do you do a talented Kano? It's really you can't put them in a in a um, what is the terminology now? Like the core set, the draftable yes. sets. If it's not no, no, the, the, right. the, the subsets are when they're gonna bring when out gonna Light Dory or, right? or Draconic exactly. Kano, or whatever. Yes, which makes the most sense. So I expect we see minimum one adult hero in this vein. But Alice has always throw the curveball. Yeah, this is yeah, why I don't yeah. speculate. Because which I think the scariest part is they've shown us two heroes already. That's the scary part because twenty heroes. <laughs> Paul might get his wish. Imagine that. What was the set with Magic? The Planeswalker set, War of the Spark, where every pack had a Planeswalker. Oh, did it? Yeah, it was an uncommon <laughs> plane. It was un- uncommon Planeswalkers. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I personally, every just purely looking at, I put a photo of this up. Uh, how many cards were in crew? Yeah. How many cards in Everfest? And how many in this set? But not just cards. How many Majestics? How yeah. many Legendaries? I have a feeling. This set has a few heroes in it. We've I'm thinking more, a new class. I'm thinking yeah, no, a new no, no, class. No, no, new class is confirmed. That's 100. percent They said a new class. Yeah, I'm we've already seen it. No, we haven't. No, a new, royal, class. Not a new class. New class. No, class. No, no, sure. They said new class from like that page in the law book, sure. like Bard. We've right. seen Alchemist, we got, we got Alchemist, Assassin. I think people are actually thinking yeah. it'll be like 
Assassin Kano or something. Well, we saw, I, th- I think it's probably something like a Cav Dane equivalent, you know. So here, here sure. I'll give you yes, my, yes. my what I want, right? Because yeah, what do you, that's you can what speculate I, yes. the cows yeah. at home because Alice will always, I think they they'll, they'll, take it, they'll take it for the formula and then they do something to it, right? And that's how <laughs> we've seen Crucible to Everfest in terms of supplemental sense. We cannot get, you won't guess it till we see so it, yes. I would like, if we're going down a pathway here, there's two, mm. two paths. There's a Crucible path and there's an Everfest path. I would like us to see. Crew. I would like it to be closer to the Crucible yes. path because I have problems with cards in Everfest, not power level specifically. I think actually I have some power level issues with Crucible cards to a degree. Yes. There's a few in Everfest, but I think what Crucible did of open up avenues of yes. different ways to build and explore and um, take a hero directionally, whereas Everfest was really about doubling down on a lot of things. And um, well, there's a lot of underwhelming cards in Everfest. Maybe they just trash. haven't seen their heyday yet. No, that, no. I think maybe we haven't seen them, but also Everfest very much felt like amulets. a UPF set. It felt yeah, like a it UPF. Did, it set. How, how disappointing are the cards? You know, like amulets been taking up you know twenty cards in the set. Mm. And Unless I think we get a kick-ass alchemist, sure. And they no, could no, be, but, they could but be great more in the likely future, right? to be UPF. Mm. And they could be great yeah. in the future, and that's good. But you know, I think Crucible, you had immediate impact, and obviously the card pool smaller, so I get that. But you know, you just had these cards that were like so interesting, and they. They enabled a different style of play with like four commons from one class. Yes. And I think my concern and what I don't want to see is, you know, a lot more cards in the set, right? Is I don't want to see a lot more filler. Because I think Everfest actually was really undercooked for, you That's know, what I mean. heroes. Yeah. You know, we, we missed out on stuff. And I think... That Everfest did amazing things for Kasai. I know it's Blitz, but like you finally got some specializations yeah. for heroes that... Like the Blitz meta became very fun after Everfest. Yeah. The CC meta got flipped on its head through one yeah. hero. I think it helped Rhino. But, no, no, but it's it was very, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It helped Dory too. Like there was a couple of things that, um, like Shadow though, for instance, useless. Yeah. Like, but let's be honest, the, the classic medals helped a lot more than Everfest did. That's what <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I'm on the same page, but more specifically, I want the equipment from crew in this set. Like I want equipment. I want that majestic and rare equipment. I just, I'd love to see some... Because Courage of Blade Hold is such an interesting comp- card. Well, but all of the equipment in in crew nearly is very good for the hero in one way or another. Yeah, I think you've got to be careful. I think right, like power level wise, they're like very strong. Galata, yes. You know, you know, yep. there's these cards, but I do think those add so much interest. And but I that's, think what, that's what I'd what rather see a little bit. So yeah, yeah I don't want to see, see a Crucible replica. I don't quite want to see that power level, but I want to see us go down the pathway of Crucible a little bit more with the flair of interest and different things. And to set people's expectations. I think you have to expect just based on seeing the the Guardian UPF heroes. There's gonna be stuff for that. Fine. No, no, but you have to assume that there's there's a good chunk of the set is for Blitz and, and, and potentially UPF. That's fine. The new class is more likely to be UPF than yeah. it is because Bard was a new hero as well. It was in the law book, but it's not really playable in Blitz. Yeah. I don't think it's even legal in Blitz, to be honest. can't remember now. I don't think it is, no. Um, but 100%... Some of the commons in the set will change our heroes are played. I just want it to be a bit more interesting than yeah. Everfest. I think I just think Everfest wasn't that interesting. There's some cards that are great for the format. No, no, the set as a whole is under underwhelming. Yeah. Not saying anything about the art and the first double sided no. hero and all that was That's sick. Great. The art, like our first impression, we were mind blown when we opened Everfest the first time. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, would have you preferred to have Dynasty drop two three weeks before Worlds? <laughs> yes. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, what flip? Yeah, what, new what's meta. time as far as like getting card availability? What do you think is um, feasible or a reasonable, acceptable 
two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, I think this is the challenge for Alexis Ryan. I think this is probably why Worlds didn't happen. There's some other factors, right, of venues and, mm. and timing and stuff. But let's say that Alexis could have done it two weeks later. I don't even think it's probably the correct decision to do so because the current state of logistics and manufacturing and production is like you can't even guarantee that it's going to be there it's no. such a massive risk so as much as i would love it but let's just say perfect world yeah perfect world perfect world uh i think two to three weeks mm. i think if you're at the pinnacle of play and this is something that's i think i've butted heads with brendan about quite a bit is that i wasn't a big fan of like these kind of i hate this like unannounced band stuff because i think that's unfair people can't schedule that mm. but having a band announcement three weeks before an event is fine if you know it's coming i think or two weeks before an event is fine because you're testing but you're also ready to test again yeah, or build yeah, again people yeah. have lives people have schedules right you have yeah. to be able to you know if it's like if i know there's a band two weeks before an event cool it's like i will test before but i'm gonna make sure that i structure my life so that majority yes. you know i can make more time yeah, in the two yeah, weeks yeah. leading up to if it if you're gonna go on a holiday you're gonna go before yeah as opposed <laughs> to maybe like okay yeah. i i give myself even amount of time every week for the four weeks leading to an event actually let's just make sure i you know i've got all these things i need to get done i've got you know work i you know i take a day off in that second two weeks or something to make stuff happen so mm. um I, I think realistically a two or three week time window when in a perfect world would would work and maybe in the future when the world's a bit more settled they can um and alice is a bit more finality about these sort of things because you got to remember now we're at the point we've got countries like you know finland and you know like yep. it takes longer for product to potentially get there and any delay could hamper you know there's an amazing scandinavian um scene with, mm. with some you know some fantastic players not just people but also great players um got the pleasure to spend some time with them and the last two pro tours actually and, and chat with them and you know like small impacts to them can be really big because of just you know where they are in the world things like that so um yeah I, yes i would have loved to have seen it Feasibly, though, I, I get it. It's yeah, it's a bit of a loss. Though, I I, think. Look, I I um, I know if you guys caught this, I think it was the I have a video channel where James mm. and Chris were on there uh, a while ago, right? Yeah, and Shout they literally them, the their printer ran out of paper, man, for uprising. Because it's not a joke. There's literally yeah. like the printers, like you know what, we got a six week delay Shortage for uprising. Paper. Yep, literally don't have the stock of paper to print on. Because obviously, it's got to be specific. Like it's not something where you go buy other paper. Like it's got to be. The same as yeah, it's yeah, always been yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, I do also know that from a priority list, I think people don't understand how much effort it takes to get a set out on time. Because you're not like this, the amount of moving parts. So much. If you've ever worked with anyone creative, art is never on time. So that's step one. Mm. Like I'm sure the artists are professional and get stuff on time. What I'm saying is you still have to juggle 50 odd artists a set yeah all the copywriting and the text on the cards yeah. the testing of the cards do you know what i mean like these are all just like one part of it but i think what, what people i think don't understand is it's probably 80 percent of lss's effort gets put into making a set mm. and then you've got the rest of the 20 percent of resources have to do the logistics of getting it out and events yeah, like marketing like because 100 Okay. I know from James White personally that this whole thing with not having enough time before events is very high on the schedule. It's just not that easy to fix I, with the resources aware, they have. Yeah. yeah, like they don't have a team of fifty people doing organized play. Yeah. If they did, you'd have no issues because they'd literally have one person's job is to just do your booking events and halls, and yeah. it's they're stretched pretty thin. And I think part of it is what we spoke about before: is they're based in New Zealand. For years, they haven't been able to hire outside of local. And now that it's open, it's still not quick. Like I know... teething issues, right? But it's also just size of the company. They are growing, but they never were able to find enough staff to grow. Testers are hard to find, but what he was saying they're struggling the most with is someone 
who's got experience in gaming as a marketing exec, yeah. it's very hard to find. Yeah, it's very especially no locally. They're happy to look elsewhere, but they couldn't look elsewhere for two years. Yeah, and marketing is a you know a huge catalyst for growth. And, and you want to be in in, in the space. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I just I just would say that yeah. I think you know all things aside with the sets and stuff. I think it's got to be really high priority on the list if they want to continue to ensure success and growth of OP. Um, that scheduling, yes, gets it's it, it has to uh, it just has to get better. Oh, look, after Australian nationals is always stuff like they need to be sending a checklist out to TOs. That's so. Yeah, running an event is one thing, but you know scheduling. I mean, the, I think. And I've, I have spoken but about that was before. scheduled terribly too. It should not have been that weekend. Exactly, I've, I, there's you a know. big chunk of our nationals players oh, that were in Lille. And why yeah. would we want to rush back after a European? I didn't trip? want to, but I felt I actually yeah. felt priced. You landed it. that day, like yeah. our our national champ. You were the reigning champ. Yeah, you had to fly in the day of the event. Don't even ask me how from, from London or wherever it was. You London, right? I came from London. That's yeah. that's <laughs> insane. Anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll attribute your performance to that. We'll what about, I came 14th. I'm down. <laughs> Japan and Brazil, you must be pumped for that. That's super exciting. Well, yeah. That might inject a whole new, um, hopefully, um, you know, a whole new stock of high-caliber players. Do you expect a big crossover from those um, entrenched high-level competitive players from other TCGs in those countries to dip their toes into fab? Are you, are you hearing anything? Have you I haven't heard anything, but I can't see it not being the case. You know, uh, South America has traditionally had, they were for so long had such a strong player base, but they couldn't travel. They couldn't, you know, mm. until um, Magic famously brought in changing from prize money to flights for Pro Tour qualifiers. And then these players were actually able to afford to be able to come and, and travel because the flights were just, you know, it was unreasonable. And you saw them. Take over. Paulo Vida Dama de Rosa and Magic, one of the most successful players of all time because of that change. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Japan like and TCG is just synonymous. So I think from a from a personal standpoint, I'm more biased. I'd love to go to Japan. Uh, for, yeah, always. But I'd be know. on the first whatever first event I'm going. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I definitely expect to see um, strength come out of that. Those to be great growth regions and do really well with the game. And do you have a prediction for worlds as far as not, not player, not specific, but regions? Yeah, do you, do, yeah. No, no, like, you can pick a player like, as well. No, I'd like, like what, to what, hear. what region do you expect to dominate top sixteen? Like, oh. do do you think the Europeans are going to come out to play again, or do you think maybe the North Americans can come back fighting, or do you think the APAC are going to get up? Like, what's your prediction for top sixteen? Is it going to be an even spread, or do you yeah. think we're going to see? another dominant performance from a singular region. So it's funny, we used to do a bit of a series on Arsenal Pass called Time in the Round where we'd, we'd talk a bit more philosophically about the game and just kind of things were happening. And eventually people, and we had people come on, but eventually, you know, um, I think so many other uh, content creators have just done it better, you know, like Instant Speed Podcast, you guys, you know, there's, there's other people that are doing that kind of role and, you know, we just, we kind of done away with it and focused on, you know, I guess the bread and butter of what, what we yep. do. But one of the big things we talked about was, you know, probably six months ago, was like the like the, the the future world champion, the first world champion, very well might not be playing the game right now. I think we're in a standpoint now where that that is not true. Yeah. I think we're so close now, right? I think, you know, had you asked me this question six months ago, I think you could just like toss a ball in the air and say, you know, probably yep, Europe going to continue to do well. They've established that at, at obviously on home territory in Lille. I ex- fully expect them to, you know, come and are they going to make it? You know, three in a row for European winners. I would Possible. say more likely than not. I would say yeah. you've got to you've got to say that. Look the at the leaderboard. Just the leaderboard yeah. itself is is top two players right now. Limited and, and uh, constructed Elo come from the UK. Yeah, which yep. 
you know, six months ago, people were saying, oh, UK is not a good region. It's So things happen fast as well, mm. but also there's narratives that just aren't true. Um, but, you know, regionality-wise, yeah, I expect Europe to come and, and do well. I mean, there's still good players in North America. I would say that the future world champion is, is already probably a player that we at least know or has had some amount of success already, whether that be, yep. you know, calling uh, top 16s, pro tour, top 32 sort of thing. Um, it's not. I don't think it's going to be a player who... He this excluded is me from that list. Did you hear that? Did I? Yeah, you did. Uh, pro Tour top sixty fours. Thank you, um, I appreciate it. <laughs> but I, I don't. Impressive. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a player who you know has uh, maybe won a single pro quest and yeah, not yeah. gone to any event so far. I think it'll be someone we've seen at these events prior to it. Maybe they didn't have the great results, but you know they're they're a good player and people know they're a good. Well, player. on paper, this will be the highest seeded event, uh, as in. So there's, there's people the that no, no, but like there's, a, I think there's people at Pro Tour that like won a pro quest with 10 people for sure right but i think worlds is is it's still a little bit open but it's nowhere near as open as any other events have been probably so you what you can have is you can have someone who just won a nationals over the past three weekends and they could be the 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 worlds and i'd say my i guess my my and of course all the people that have bought ptis really anyone sure but my my take would be that they're not going to be one of the players that will yes i think that's just how you're you're looking at you're expecting a name we already know or at least someone that's known by named players is a very good player i think at this point um, I, like I, I also know. I mean, even like Roy. If Roy is playing his best game, he could. He's he a could player win. that he's a player yes. that, play, that Nick he, is the same. If Nick has a good run, he can win. Like it's like players that people. So you have known people, yes. and then you have the people that those people know are good players. Yes, it's yes. like the old like sports thing of like you know like oh they're the mm. the marquee player on the team is like yeah but they know who the good player yeah yeah and I know exactly what you're saying. It's like yeah. yeah. So uh, play count. What do you think for worlds? Are we thinking three fifty, four fifty? What was what was Lille? Three sixty, yeah, three eighty. And, and yeah. New Jersey was four forty or something. I, I it was somewhere around there. It was about sixty or seventy more than, than yeah. Lille. I'd expect it to probably be around Lille. I think it's in a. More it's an easier coast. Yeah, and I think all those of the world. A lot right? of the Asians oh, are going to. A lot of the oh, agents Europe's are going to travel over. Yes, yeah. So there's a lot of PTIs floating around. And a lot of people have saved their PTI for mm, this, right? So I expect it to be. Probably between Lille and and um, this will be the I would say this this is gonna be the biggest world championships we have mm. I think like the the future world champs I expect to be like two hundred two fifty max because they're probably gonna change the qualification yep. and it's not gonna be the spectacle of the first world championship yep. yeah sure yeah. unless the the game catapults double triple the growth in yeah the next but even few in years, theory yeah. you have less invites right like there's so many PTIs out in the wild right now that, that are oh, yeah, like calling in. one potentially was I've, yeah. I've got, Four, you know, like, that are just kind of being. Matt Rogers <laughs> is like eleven or something. Stupid. Yeah, I think he's yeah, down yeah. to like maybe six or something now. He's <laughs> yeah, sure, but sure. There, there's, I mean, Jason Long has like five. Yeah, or maybe yeah, he's yeah. used some now. I don't know, but but there's no more. Yeah, and there's also I think less and less easy ones to get. Like, yeah, I mean, there's very few easy ones to get. I would yeah. say. Well, I think that's gone as well. Like, yeah, yeah. we've had there were a couple of progress in Australia with like less than twenty people, but. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a 12 player. Yeah, but the skill yeah. level in those rooms is not a typical arm. But, they're, but I mean? they're not transferable anyway, those ones. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, it's true. But they're sa- potentially saving someone a PCI. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's probably what I think. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, player, I don't know. I'll give it a red hot crack. How about that? Yeah. You should. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you have the skill set to do it. Yeah. Sometimes. Do you find that you're, you're not always you, – you don't feel as consi- – like – is it you or is it variance that you feel has more to play with how you place? Oh, me, definitely. Yeah. But I think it's, it's to be honest, if I had to attribute it to one thing for me, it's time. Mm. I think like having a full-time 
career I think makes it very difficult and, and I want to produce content content is probably the thing I enjoy most now I think so um, it is a fine balance we all make content we always yeah. I, we have this chat is something like tonight I want to go to an armory but I want to make content yeah. it's yeah. it's not that I love one more than the other and I've already missed the armory but that's like you, you do that sometimes you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough I think uh, I'm really focused on worlds and I think you know um I'm always there to win every single event and I'm, I'm going to put in the maximum amount of preparation. I try to be really smart about my preparation and I'm trying to be smart about it this time in terms of the way I'm going to look at it. I'm going to set myself out the best way possible that I can given what I have access to with, with time and things like that to be ready for Worlds. Is it what other people can put in? No, it's definitely not. Is it the best that I could probably do if I sacrificed other things? No, but I you know, I put myself where I can. And, There's a balance. And we'll, we'll reassess after Worlds about... You know, I would love to continue to travel to, to every you know professional event and, and play as a I guess a quote unquote professional player. I think that would be the dream. But you know, I'm I'm nearly thirty. Like life is happening and got to be realistic about things. So I think my full focus right now is like world champs and then mm. reassess after that. Mm. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, Hayden, but are we going to start doing some uh, drafts downstairs again? I hope so. Prep for worlds. I hope so. Can we squeeze in a, a you know a weekly what? Draft? Actually, the challenge is is finding some uprising stock. I, I need to start looking if we're going to do that. I've got a couple of boxes. But that's the thing. Not, <laughs> yeah, even yeah. the stores only have a couple yeah. of boxes. Um, but that's, I should start looking. Is that, Do you actually want that to happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll start yeah. again then. Yes. I think keep the keep the circle smaller, like only people that are really wanting to test for sure. the higher yeah, events. Yeah, we're still recording, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. I don't mind. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Philip Mackay. No, I'm kidding. Love that guy. Me too. What else, John? Anything else? Oh, look, I'm not. I'm not going anymore. So we can keep going if you like. Um, I I remember the story of Arsenal Pass. Yeah. And Brandon was. You commentated an event with Brandon remotely. Is that how? Yeah. The 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 first. So the I think it was the second ever constructor calling, which was a blitz calling in Auckland, during basically borders being closed everywhere, yeah. so no one could go to New Zealand. But this was. February uh, February or March 2021, um, there was a blitz calling in New Zealand and uh, Sasha was Sasha Market was working at the time for LSS as the business development manager and he reached out to me and said, because uh, we've been friends for a little bit through the game, and he said, uh, would you have any interest in doing some commentary for this blitz calling, like r- doing it remote with myself? And I was like, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, what I'm just going to be watching it otherwise. Like, yeah, love to. Um, and then obviously already doing content at the time. And then he said, cool, I've got my friend um, Brendan who I worked with for like the first calling. He's going to jump in as well. He hasn't played for like three months. He's been like, he didn't really play through Crucible to start with and barely played Arcane Rising. And then that's just kind of how we met through that. And the um, rest is history really. Decided to start the channel on the pod and be friends, I guess. I guess. Yeah, be friends. And has, I, I've missed, I've been busy. I haven't watched all your content lately. Yeah. But I, so Brennan's not playing Worlds. Brennan's not playing Worlds. No, Brennan's uh, on the commentary team. Mm-hmm. So I think Brennan's always looked at commentary and that's part of the reason that it's actually, you know, obviously how we met is through through commentary um, to start with. And it's always been something that he's wanted to do. And I guess the the games he's been involved with. So I think he was quite in, involved with Overwatch and, um, and things as well. I think Overwatch. Um, and I think since... Starting the content is always something he's looked at, and he's done it for certain things. Like he did uh, the Realm Games event, I think, he did commentary for that. Um, he's done some other stuff, and he used to do the 
the Flesh and Blood Gauntlet series, which was like when you know online play was really big. He mm. ran like a weekly, you know, like Winner Box event that they they did coverage for and casting. Um, so I think that's I wouldn't I don't want to speak for him, and I don't know what his future plans are in terms of playing versus commentary. But I think um, I think content creation and commentary and being in that world is pretty important to him. I think yeah. so. I'm not really sure what that he, looks he like. He did allude to that on a one of your podcasts maybe a few months ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, I remember. That's it. not a secret. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did. He did allude to the fact that he um, maybe like wanted to eventually sort of step away from playing yeah. at the higher levels, but still be involved in the community. And he thought a great way to do that because something he really enjoys is commentary. I think he'd be fantastic. I can't, I can't wait to hear him commentate. Mm, yeah. I think he's definitely going to bring something new and spicy to the team. And see, back to narratives, it, that I like that Flake is always... I like Diem Armada. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Brennan's the same. He's a fixture. Like People know it. People know I'd, it I'd right. love to yeah. see the same faces. I know it sounds maybe like a bit of a, a boys club that way, but it's nice to see people nice. that are in the community that are, that are commentating yeah. and... They have experience and yeah, I think you see him right. And you go, people, people tune. They go, oh, I know Brendan from Arsenal Pass, but also I know him as a as a as a, a player, player who's yes. played in the first two yes. pro tours yeah. and, and and you know done well. Well, he's one half of Arsenal Pass. Like he's, you know what I mean? It, 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 none of you are simply commentators, or like none no, of them are. Everyone has. Their, I mean, yes. even to the point like I, I think even Flake's playing nationals. I yeah, think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he played nationals and and he's played and obviously just a character in himself. Like Brian Gottlieb is probably like the person I want to see on coverage as much as possible. But I also understand that. People don't know who he is. You know, he's he's a, a mainstay from Magic that's come across. Mm. Um, but he's also done work for LSS on yep. yes. development. You know, and I think he is someone who is super passionate about this game and also really understands TCGs. And yep. I think he is super engaging when he's on the mic. When's he going to bring Jerry T over? That was that's f- when I, I first him. When I first heard he was coming over, I go, where's Jerry? Jerry? Where's your boy? I bring think, over Jerry T. I think Brian T. gets annoyed though because he goes, he goes, come on, what about me? Am I not enough? <laughs> oh man, I love you, Brian. But yeah, me and Jerry go, you know, I've got a soft spot for Jerry. I, Tall I, boys. You know, I really enjoyed uh, watching <laughs> Jerry from, from way back, you know. It's fun to watch. And um, he's he's gifted as hell. That guy can play bloody magic. True. So, oh, I'd love to see him rip it up in fab. Hmm. Well, um, thanks for coming. Thanks Appreciate for you. On. I know, I know, you don't have too much free time. <laughs> so I appreciate mean, you making the time. I, I usually up. can keep talking till the cows come home, but I have been in hospital for four days. Yeah, no, no, we're and gonna, I feel yeah. like I'm about to fall over <laughs> any second. Did you work today? You did, didn't you? I did. Yeah, this is the end of all our days. We, we'll cut it yeah. here. Um, obviously, check out Arsenal Pass. You should know who Hayden is if you don't. Arsenal Pass on YouTube, yeah, please Twitter. Check us out. Yep. Um, easily the best competitive content for fab i believe like there's you. like you said other people do some stuff better like i love watching fabrica with how they edit the gameplay and man center stuff you know yeah. what i mean but if you if you want to be on top of meta stuff you should be a patron like it's it's like i said the last episode if you're talking about um the draft and people like Tarek patel that's the thing too you guys have that reach there's no one i think you could reach out to in the competitive scene and go we want to have you on and talk about your deck or something that would not do it immediately. Just the ones that don't like us. Who? Who no, doesn't? I'm kidding, like I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, really, I really. I think even if someone doesn't like you, Arsenal Pass would be the way to go if you're gonna get some. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just. Which is why I always ask, when am I getting invited? And I never get a direct answer. I, to, I know. I told you. <laughs> what do you tell me? Uh, After top eight, something. Just, just win something. Or Damn top it. eight, something. You know. Yeah. What an interesting deck. I mean, I'll get there before him, so don't worry. <laughs> I think, I think for for us, we've. Um, I think a big thing for us that we really wanted to do, and this is this is Brendan's thing, was mm. you know the the time in the round stuff with a lot of we had a lot of guests come on, and I think 
to be honest, we just it just doesn't really work for us, and I think there's people who just do it better, and we, we feel like we were doing a bit of a disservice, I think. Yeah. And um, so for us, it's like the competitive content. We we do have some guests come on, like you, you'd see, like we had Tarek this on this week. Um, yeah, but you're usually bringing in a thought leader that might either disagree with you or bring a different insight, Generally right? Generally what yeah. we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, yeah. by the way, you're doing it right. Because I think having a guest for the sake of having a guest, like our our podcast is having the, the guest, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yours well, is conversations. If, if, if you can <laughs> speak between you and Brand and get the point across in the best way possible, a third voice is a distraction. Yeah. Does that make sense? Or, if, or a voice of reason depends on how you look at it. You know? Well, but you don't always need a guest to do the, do it right. I think. Yeah, unless you need them to convince someone that draft is in fact the best format in flesh and blood. The most skill intensive See, that, that's format. just now we're talking subjective stuff, you know. Oh, you it's best like are we talking <laughs> fun or Yeah. I, I by the way, I love drafting upright. You have to draft no, the deck, you have to build the deck, you have to play the deck. And hundred percent building a deck is not my strong Construct this is the fire force. Construct yeah, 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 <laughs> and I was first to the party. I can bring out the tweet. I was the he first was, one in my YouTube on. videos. No, no, I was no, no, banging no. on about force you and said fire. Zang. From LSS fame was the first to that party, and he's ruined it for I'm everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, is when's New Zealand nationals uh, this weekend? Yeah, because so Newson's commentating that we got to tune yeah, in. We're yeah, we got to tune in. So I think I think the coverage starts about eleven thirty or lunchtime our time. I think round one's about nine thirty a.m. or something their time. So. Get everything done in the morning. Yep. So you got three rounds of season. Yeah, I heard Newson's commentating, which I definitely want to. Classic. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's a celebrity cast right there. It is. It is. Long no, New on. Zealand's ahead of us. Yeah, so 9 a.m. their time is living. Yeah. Other way around. Other way? Other way around. It's 9 a.m. Yeah, for yeah, us, yeah. So. No, it's Sorry. it's like 7 o'clock in the morning we start. Jeez, oh, who's the smartest one on the podcast now? Bloody hell. <laughs> so coverage must start about 7.30 Okay, so yeah. it's early yeah. start. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I'll have to watch the I've lived the in New Zealand for so long, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Me. Anything else, Paul? No, it's, thanks, Obviously, hey, you're no, alive. Thanks, Hayden, thanks, thanks for Thank coming, you. Hayden. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Really, really appreciate love it. I always love chatting to you. Just want to shout out your content as well. You guys do an amazing job. So Thank you, sir. Going and thank you so much. Thank you. We try. The thing is the balance between life playing tough. and the friends. See, that's the actual thing. It's not even the game. Half the time it's like, man, I haven't been to Gosford in two weeks. Wanna I just want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the good. But hey, it's... um. Whatever we give, I know the community appreciates that. We get comments and stuff. And you know that you don't want to be like disappear for four weeks while you're playing. It's not a good feeling. Uh, you get a question, like, are you alive? <laughs> are you good? All right, guys. Um, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe. I think we're at 410, 11, something like that. Sweet. We'll probably do a giveaway at 500. Yeah, why not? Um, also, shout out to all our Twitters. If you're looking forward <laughs> to Dynasty spoilers, I think Twitter is definitely the place to be. Yeah. It's cleaner than Facebook. So we're all on Twitter uh, I just hit a thousand. I'm gonna do a giveaway, Ooh. but find us all on Twitter. The links are below. God. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I. But I just. Talk I just. To me to one k. All I do on Twitter is retweet people. I don't really post anything original. Yeah. I just write sentences that miss words and don't make we'll sense. Just post, post, you post just post cards. random cards and people They're think not it's random. Like cryptic. There is a bit cryptic. of cryptic in cryptic. there. There's a bit of everything. Sometimes <laughs> I like the art. Sometimes there's a hidden message. Yeah. I'm just gonna also, post knickknack bric-a-brac every day. <laughs> <laughs> who, who tried to get that started? Oh, was it Tarek? We love you, Tarek. <laughs> uh, last shout-outs to Yazi because he got a spoiler card yeah, this well season. Done, Yazi. Finally. You, you think he'll actually post content? He's going to post a photo of it. That's Find out. <laughs> Imagine that. He gets the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just posts a photo. Sitting on the dunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can of VB in the, the background in the dunny. Just take the cheap route and just uh, make Teleshark content. That's, That's Look, it's not that cheap. Like, no, I, th- like I said, I'm I think kidding. it's I'm very... I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. I yeah. think 
I'm loving it. All right, guys, that's it. That's all. Um, we will see you soon. See you later. Cheers.